Hello, Internet, and welcome to the Friendship Snake Podcast. I am your host, Wade Mariano, and I'm joined, as always, by one... Trace Finicaro. And... Snape Lion. <laughs> what? <laughs> Snape Lion. We are all Snape Lion? Like a trip line? No, Snape Lion. Lion. Oh, Lion. Lion of okay, Zion. I'm sorry. We are... <laughs> well, folks, we have a very special guest with us today. Jesse HS is our guest for today. He runs, <clears throat> excuse me, Heart God Media Podcasts. Uh, he's a cat lover. He's a Canastota alum and a friend of the show. Jesse, how are you doing today? I am doing well. Hey, thanks guys for having me on. I appreciate it. Thank you it. for coming. We uh, we really, really appreciate coming out and we're going to have a good time. Um, so Jesse, how long have you been podcasting? Uh, September 2017 was when I first probably late august it was actually uh after the death of toby hooper director of texas chainsaw massacre uh poltergeist uh when he died uh, it was just uh, myself and a bunch of friends constant group text about mainly horror movies but film in general so we're constantly having these dialogue what's your top five films like uh by this director uh and and actors and and just it's incessant the conversations so I was just like, we got to start recording this shit. We have so many great conversations, and they're, you know, ridiculous, stupid, intellectual, fun, riveting. We argue. We don't talk to each other for days after some someone says some movie's better than the other. So I was just like, we need to, like, start recording this. So I looked in quick. I'm a music guy, so I had a little bit of recording know-how a little bit, and I was just like, I don't want to buy all this equipment. I'm just going to start it on my phone. So I just started doing it. Onto my phone and uploading onto SoundCloud and then through iTunes. Wow. So you started, you didn't even have any like mics, anything like that? Just started I, the first few podcasts with your phone? Yeah. I, I mean, I had mics, but they're all like live. Yeah. You know, like SM58. Sure SM like, yeah. Yeah. yeah mm-hmm. Like, and like 58A beta, uh, sure mics and all live like music mics. And I was just like, did like a little test run on my phone. I was like, sounds good to me. We're good to go. And then I did that on my phone until December last year. And then I finally, you know, ponied up and uh, got a microphone and then it sounds a little better, but honestly, it's not drastically different. Like I'm like, Hey, does it sound a lot better? They're like, eh, not really. And I was just like, well, good, good, great. cool. <laughs> Doesn't sound worse. Now what's your format? You, do you typically, what are like your main you see horror movies, the horror genre essentially, and music? Would you say a certain like style of music or or genre of music? We're or? really like I mean, with <clears throat> horror movie and genre film, I I feel like people try to throw genre music in there too. So immediately you think horror movies, you think like metal, death metal, like super heavy rock. But we talk about like everything when the opportunity presents itself. Um, obviously, like I'm a huge ACDC fan. Uh, E.T., a friend to uh, us all. Um, me and him did an ACDC episode after Malcolm Young died. Um, so, like, we'll dra- and, like, we've talked about, like, Depeche Mode for, like, a half hour. Like, so, because I'm into everything. I'm not segregated to one style of music. Um, so, we'll do those. And, and it's it's all free form. Um, like I said, like, we've done, like, Stephen King episodes. Uh, we've done just on movies, 90s movies, just 90s horror movies, like, you know, kind of talking about the aftermath of the slasher film in the 80s and what kind of came with, you know, how horror movies accompanied Old Navy tech vests and, and things like that. The Because the 90s were so weird. The 90s were 
post 80s it, no one knew how to act in the 90s i mean in the first few years like everyone kind of dressed grungy and they're like okay well eddie vetter's tying a flannel around his waist i can go to the op shop and get a fucking flannel and tie it around my waist i'll be good but then like after cobain died and green day came there was like a weird punk phase but then like the strangest time period and it's still weird to me it's like bizarro such a bizarro decade because i think of like 97 98 and 99 it was so weird. That like <clears throat> that stretch as far as well movies is, is a totally different thing, but the music <clears throat> it was this weird there was this hearkening back to almost I want to say like the 70s. Like the groups were out like like the fucking Spice Girls yeah. and like S Club it 7. Was, it was a lot of like late 60s <clears throat> early 70s flower power stuff because then you had in 97 not only did you have the Spice Girls and the subsequent movie Spice World. Oh yes. But you also had things like Austin Powers coming out too, where it was all like that flower power sixties thing and and it was just weird. I do remember like in the nineties, like the mid to late nineties, this weird resurgence of retro where like bell bottoms were I don't oh, know if they were ever oh, cool, yeah. but there were definitely people wearing them. <clears throat> Weren't shoulder pads back for a little bit? That's eighties though. Yeah. I don't know though, Lisey Silverstone warm and clueless. And I thought I remembered. Um, hey, no, you know what? I got. I, I'm. I'm fucking up my. I'm fucking up my decades because I'm thinking. I'm thinking of of the Titanic, but the Titanic was not based in the '90s. So no, it wasn't based. They in were the wearing, and no, that it was not. movie wasn't an accurate representation of the '90s. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's a terrible. Well, you know, I mean, you the just, soundtrack did have Celine Dion, and I, I can't think of anything much more. Didn't, 90s but she wore shoulder pads in the nineties. Oh yeah, but she was Shania Twain. She's, everyone. Well, she's Canadian, and so is Shania Twain. Oh my god, so they're like yeah. a, they're they, back then. Canada was like it, ten years behind. Oh, America. I think they still are. Well, I, that's probably. a joke on it. I don't know if you're a How I Met Your Mother fan, but that's a joke that they're constantly behind in the times. Yes. Sparkles wasn't that wasn't that Robin Sparkles? Robin Sparkles. Take Let's go to, to the mall. Take to the mall. But yeah, the our, the podcast that we do two um, beavers are better than one. <laughs> two beavers are better than none. <laughs> the, but the yeah, the podcast that we do is it's super free form, and uh, it's always a usually there's a few episodes where it's just me kind of talking, inventing, or calling out like companies because uh, in the horror industry, if you want to call it like especially genre film, all the older films are huge again. All the 80s movies and even the 70s movies and even like the early 90s horror movies, they all have a resurgence because they're all getting limited edition, special edition, Blu-ray releases and all these companies are doing cash grabs. And don't get me wrong, the content is amazing that they're getting, you know, the the fifth key grip or, or the best boy from the film talking about what was going on in the film. So they get deep. They're giving us deep cuts. But they're also people that are giving us uh, vinyl soundtrack scores to movies that we don't need. And they're going super extensive. Now, don't get me wrong. I Wait, buy let's, some Let's of them. dive into this a little bit. Okay. Can I just, you just, I hit, whole, you just hit a lot of just on a side note, like one quick story. It is kind of Christmassy holiday special. I personally think Die Hard is a Christmas film. Oh, it definitely <clears throat> Someone is. argue. It definitely is. Dude, so uh, Hans oh, no. Gruber, I'm no. forgetting the actor's name. It's, it's, is it Rickman? No. It's Alan Rickman. Alan Rickman. Yeah. No, but but <clears throat> Die, Die Hard, Batman Returns, and The Longest Goodnight are the three family traditional Christmas films. Nice. Batman Returns is 100% a holiday film. Finn. So this is the story that kind of came out with like one of these um, re- remasters, uh, a story. So you know how, the obviously, iconically, spoiler alert, if you haven't seen Die Hard, fuck you. Here's a spoiler. Uh, Hans like, Gruber takes a swan a pretty, dive off the top of Nakatomi to Towers and everyone's happy. position for... for for just, I mean, like you know, it is 
it is the best Bruce Willis film. Oh, hands down. With the down. exception of Hudson, maybe Hudson Hawk. But no, hands. I'm not. I'm going to go with Die Hard. I'm going to go with his that. His only other role, I think, that even <clears throat> stands a competition to it is his role in Pulp Fiction. Pulp Fiction. Pulp Fiction. Twelve Monkeys. Twelve, 12 Monkeys, Monkeys is was good. pretty good. I, I you know, again, it, it's, it gets slagged for whatever. Hudson Hawk reminds me of like uh, Life Aquatic with Steve Zuzel. If it di- <laughs> if it didn't have if it didn't have uh, what the, what the frick's his name? Um, why can't I remember the director's dude? Uh, the guy that did the Royal Tenenbaums. Yeah, uh, Wes Anderson. Wes, An- it, yeah, yeah. It, it, it's it's a Wes Anderson. It's like so. It's, it's like a Wes Anderson film before Wes Anderson. I can Anderson see that. Yeah. Born. yeah, for sure. So, anyways, back to the story, and I'll make Sorry, it quick. No, it's a, it's totally okay. <clears throat> and so, when they're shooting this, they said we're gonna count to five, and then we're gonna drop you, and everything will be fine. Like it's all planned or whatever. They gave him to fucking te- the directors like drop him at two. Just to scare the shit out of him to get a better reaction, a more realistic reaction, which is why that shit is so iconic. Because Rickman thought, like, because not only did they drop him, but they were like, oh, like they tr- everyone kind of like tried to look freaked out, like something had gone terribly wrong, and he's actually like pretty much shitting his pants in real life <laughs> as they're dropping him from the uh, from the rigging or whatever. Now was that in the special features of? I don't know if that was. I read it in an article. It said like like they're they're doing blurbs about it. It it came up in Facebook recently too. But like you know, but it's. So I got to ask you the because wasn't Die Hard two basically set on it was set at Christmas as well too wasn't it? Um, Die Die Hard two was the airplane. Yeah, that's at Christmas time. Was it? Yeah, I haven't seen Die Hard two in a minute. They're they're really there's only. That's like a sad franchise. Like the one is so good, and the rest of them just suck. Okay, <clears throat> Die Hard three. He kills Die- the guy with a fucking icicle. Okay? Yeah, but, but Die-, Die Hard three is great. Well, it's just okay. Because, well, it has Samuel L. Jackson in it, just in full like unfettered. I'm cool being a racist black man. <laughs> Isn't that every role he's done? But two no, is definitely uh, set at Christmas time. There's definitely snow on the ground. I just like the fact that it's effectively here's a sequel and it's it's exactly the same plot but the building is not on the ground. <laughs> well, yeah. My so, question is when it comes we're, to these, we're, we're missing fifty floors in this in this plot. <laughs> when it comes to these like re-releases and reissues, is your gripe that they're spending all this money on this when they should probably be investing into new IPs and and and, and new kind of films or I you know what my issue isn't with the re-releases of the films because. To an extent. For instance, Night of the Living Dead. When that movie was made and the licensing and everything was made for it, it was licensed and trademarked under Night of the Flesh Eaters. So that's why if you see in a million different films, Night of the Living Dead's playing. Why? There's no there's no law on it. It's uh it's just it's out there. There's no uh there's no like what copyright, like copyright, like like uh, patents. It's, it's, yeah, yeah, it's um, it's kind of the it's kind of like the wonderful life, the, the wonderful life situation before yes. the so, media conglomerate bought it back up. Exactly. So there's no um, it's uh, like domestically un unchained, like uh, uh, public domain essentially. Uh, exactly. That's what I was looking for. Yes. There's, okay. Um. So for instance, uh, Criterion, who does extensive. <laughs> beautiful cleanups and and reworks of films and adds all kinds of special stuff into the releases they go all out companies like that companies like um a a branch of shout factory called scream factory who does specialty 
just horror films. They do amazing special features. Arrow is another UK company that does these amazing retrospectives with uh, actors and things like that. And they really give you a good bang for your buck if you're spending $25, $30 buying the movie for some people the third or fourth time. Right. You know, you some of these people that have been buying movies, even myself collecting and starting to collect films in the late 90s, I'm buying the VHS and then I'm buying the DVD in the early 2000s. Then I'm buying the special edition DVD in 2008 or 9. And then I'm buying a bare bones Blu-ray because, oh, it's cleaned up a little bit. Not really. Universal is pretty much the only one that really cleans up those movies in a Blu-ray transfer. I mean, now people do a little bit better of a job. But in the early days of Blu-ray, 2007, 8, 9, no one was, it was just transferring it onto a Blu-ray disc. They weren't really going through and cleaning it up. Jaws, yes, that's really cleaned up. That looks like it could have came out three years ago. But, so those companies that really put in the effort and the heart to make those releases great or good. Now, with something like uh, Night of the Living Dead that's public domain, they had a 50th anniversary edition that came out, and I, I the company that put it out escapes me because they're a bullshit like third-rate company that's terrible 50th anniversary edition no special features no trailer nothing just the film they released that in october 2017 uh kind of on the heels of romero passing away he passed away in july of uh 2017 so they were just trying yeah cash grab boom and there's like there's over 57 i've counted and tracked down at least 57 releases of Night of the Living Dead on home video. That is between VHS, DVD, and Blu-ray. Now, there's a million different ones. Like, the four of us could literally go to a pressing plant with a uh, a, a copy of Night of the Living Dead and be like, we're, we're doing the Waterbury Road edition of, <laughs> of Night of the Living Dead. I, I, think, I think what we need to do is the Be Kind Rewind version of Night of the Living Dead. What, what, what did they call that? When oh, you're, where you reenact the whole film? Yes. That would be good. That would actually be pretty interesting. We can go to the Walker Cemetery on Lewis Point Road. We could also record up at the cemetery here, like by Aldi or whatever. I don't know what cemetery that is. That thing's ancient, like wicked old. And I have a Pixel 3 that can record in the dark. <clears throat> nice. I ain't got to worry uh, about how, how did, how did lighting, you, really. It's black and white. Yeah, from a camera. If you turn out, it sideways, you got 1080p, bitch. Did you find out about that <laughs> feature no from the feature though. list? Or did you discover it through use? What's fucked up is that I haven't gotten that feature yet. I'm pissed I'm off. I'm forgetting oh. the black guy's name, but that's who I want to play. Yeah, mm-hmm. Google's rolling that feature out slowly. Like, I saw it on a fucking Christmas commercial. Like, buy the Pixel 3. You can take pictures in the dark. And it shows, like, somebody taking their picture with, like, their buddy falling asleep. And I'm like, yeah, except you haven't rolled it to my phone yet. I, I think it's amazing you that effect- no effectively reason. we're retroactively upgrading your phone after you've bought it. Like, we're applying firmware updates to turn on features that aren't currently enabled. Yeah, yeah. I, it's, it's like they're advertising something that just came out, like, a second ago. Like, they could they could be pulling the feature back because it has bugs. Right. And not everybody that's already purchased the phone has it, but it will come with well, that Well, actually, maybe, there, maybe there's, like, some weird thing where they're trying to slip it under the radar. It's like those Sony camcorders that could see through clothes. Oh, that was sweet. Yeah, but you had to modify it, though, right? <laughs> no. Yeah. No, it was, yeah. I, no it, was, it, was, it was it was their night vision mode. But if, yeah, they, if people, had the, right, if people yeah. had the right color clothes, it would it would like fucking yeah. go right through them. Yeah, there was yeah, oh there's a certain God, Sony camera. Great. Yeah, you flip on night vision. Yeah, if you had like like sheer clothing on, it was fucking X-ray goggles. Wow, technology. Yeah. I remember that. And what's crazy is like is is like the legality of posting them online, right? You search up like Sony video camera X-ray, and there's like a lot of video 
you know, with these people with sheer clothing on, you can see right through it. And I mean, like, you can see the pubic hair, right? I mean, you can see through the clothing. It's so strange. Right. But the legality of it is weird. I guess I know what I'm going to do. Because they're just walking around, and you're just using your camera, right? Yeah. The, I, like, I it's strange. It's kind of like, like in the airports when they do, like, the full-body scans or something like that. You know, it's like, well, what are you looking at? You know? It's like, well, I'm looking at your 3D penis. <laughs> Which, if it were a hyena... I, I know you, I know you were very excited over finding out this new fact. Did and you know this, like, Gunner? Uh, unfortunately, <laughs> I, did, I knew this. Well, I, I shouldn't say unfortunately, but it, yeah, I was. I, I was unaware. I, I, I don't do, you, all... do you know where I'm going with this? Yeah, yeah. It's not. It's not a penis per se. It's just a steerable clitoris. See, it, this it's is a pseudo penis. Like, they call it a pseudo and penis. And a pseudo They call it pseudo penis, but I don't think they're giving enough credit to the penis. Right? They're saying it's a pseudo penis because because they they, they can't they, they don't produce sperm. Everything else is penis about it. It gets erect like a penis. They yeah, but they give it birth like through it, and not they have like a penis. They have fake. They have fake <laughs> balls next to it, so it even makes it. And it's bigger than the male's penis. But they they but they give birth through it. Not yeah through it per se. It I mean, comes out the pseudo penis. That's where yeah, the pup do. comes they out. They do. Yeah. The, yeah. They, a lot of them die. They get stuck in the. Yeah, penis. they get stuck in there. If it I doesn't refuse rip, to call it a pseudo penis because it. I mean, I can't have kids anymore, right? I, I got that taken care of. Does that mean mine's a pseudo penis? Yeah, that's a good question. A better question know. is: Would you, would would you put your penis in my penis like I? It's still probably not. It's still an entertainer. It's not. It's not going out there getting a world title shot, but he's still doing the mid card matches. You can't get pregnant through your penis, though. That's true. Yeah. So it's not a pseudopenis. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. They can see, get pregnant, but is, they consent. See, I'm, I'm like, uh, well, that's they consent. like, it's like, the, it's like a mammal that consents. I'm sure there's others, but man. But here's the thing in hyenas, it's not necessary. Female hyenas are larger and more aggressive than the yeah. males. Yeah. So like, that's like, cause that's what they kind of said. Okay. Well, this is so that <clears throat> it's an evolutionary thing so that they can choose the mates, right? Like they don't. But the thing is, like, they're bigger and meaner than the males anyway. So it's not like a male is going to come up and rape them. Essentially, yeah. like they yeah, she's like, can't. Hey, it's your time. They're physically like unable to. So yeah. they still don't know. She's like, "Hey, let's dock." <laughs> males, male hyenas hit bad, back man. And forth really bad. Forever, forever. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's definitely it's definitely an interesting take because usually in most mammals, the male is the one that's stronger. Yeah. And more dominant. Hyenas flip that. The hyenas only thing I could think of fucking script. Nobody knows, right? Nobody knows exactly why this happened. Looks like equal evolution. rights has transcended into the animal kingdom. Um, that's what some people are saying. Yeah. Right? That's what some people are saying. <laughs> that's the narrative. What actually, I was thinking there, there's, was there's actually a, as I'm reading the article actually specifically de- 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 describing because it's it's not all female hyenas. No, it's all of them. Yeah, it's well, the, the, no, but the, there's there's a whole thing like alpha females give a hormone boost to the developing cubs, making them more aggressive when fighting for food. Oh, that's the other thing. The babies, survival. the babies, they don't even have their eyes open yet. They still got the umbilical cord. They just were born, and if there's more than one baby, then the, the dominant baby will eat the other baby. That's hard. That's like sharks. Yeah, sharks do it inside the inside the womb, which is even more metal than fucking. Yeah, yeah that's born. crazy. <laughs> but sharks are fish, and fish are stupid, so. That's true. I mean, at least Aiden, I don't know Aiden the before fish. birth. That yeah. is, if that's not a Cannibal Corpse record, I don't no know shit. what. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
hey, so, hey, baby shark, what'd you have for breakfast? Uh, baby shark. My fucking brother. <laughs> yeah. My would-be brother. He's no longer with us. He didn't die well. My pseudo brother. So give me your top five all-time horror. Very tough, I'm sure, but maybe not so tough. This is stuff that it could alter by the hour. In, in this moment. In this moment? Yes. Give me your, give me, yeah, we're going to go around and and, and do it, everybody, and then I'm going to ask another one, but go ahead. Right now, Night of the Living Dead, the original, 1968, Um, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Um, the Lost Boys, which I know a lot of people, that movie, I could, I've restrained myself from doing an entire podcast on it, because that is, hands down, my favorite movie of all time. And it's really sometimes it's hard to say that just because I do love and revere what Night of the Living Dead has done. I mean, you're talking about a movie that's come that came out 50 years ago this year, and 50 years later, something that was created the modern zombie. And I'm not talking about like the zombie movies from you know White Zombie with Bela Lugosi, where it was like a voodoo mysticism type thing. The undead, exactly. Yeah. The the modern zombie as we all know it that is still popular. I mean, yeah, the ratings dropped or whatever gigantically this past week or whatever but walking dead is still a thing it's been on air for uh they're coming out eight, of movies they eight, got two movie deals i eight, guess exactly it's been on for I'm eight still years watching it. the entire show i mean greg nicotero who's on it and has directed a lot of the episodes and is like it has a huge hand in it he was under the tutelage of romero on his day of the dead film and got his start in george romero films george romero created an entire genre uh, that's like some being like, I created the fucking werewolf. Think about that. Like, that's someone being like, I created the fucking werewolf. The getting bit by a, a getting bit by a turning silver bullet. That's all fucking me. That was George Romero with the zombie. Shoot it in the head, kill it. They eat the flesh. They eat the living. You die. You come back to life. That was all. Those rules were written by him, and I think people kind of don't give him credit. And even. At his after his death, I feel like he's still not getting his his due. So it is hard. Like I have such a love and revere for the the big horror directors, which is George Romero, John Carpenter, Toby Hooper, um, and Wes Craven. What the, fuck? What, uh, the, what the fuck is the one John Carpenter one where it's the ghost that come in on the on the on the mist? Is it just the oh the fog? The fog, yes, yes, classic. So um. Yes, The Lost Boys is definitely on there, and it's definitely my favorite movie of all time. And that movie, I, some people will give me flack for calling that a horror movie. I mean, come no, on. No, it's, it's definitely a horror movie. Because it's so lighthearted and comical, but it is the essence of a pop culture 80s phenomenon and that frankly, is horror. <clears throat> like, to say it's lighthearted, the, that's like the beauty of that movie, because I love that movie as well. Not my top um, five, but I do love and have a very special place for that movie. Like what people I think tend to forget, they remember all like the kind of funny stuff and the Frog Brothers and how funny that is. But like those scenes, like like the bonfire scene, that was a pretty horrific shit. Yeah, they're like, killing like not Nazi surf punks and and throwing them on a beach fire and and killing them and eating them. And like I said, I think people and a lot of it too is like uh, these fake horror fans and i will call them fake horror fans because they're horror fans that wear horror t-shirts because there's a lot of these instagram accounts that start these free big cartels where you could sell a couple shirts and you just print what's super popular and they're people 
and I've talked with them and their knowledge base is weak. And I usually don't try to call people out by name or anything like that in my podcast when I talk about these, uh, this community that's like, oh, you know, we buy these pins. Enamel pins are huge with like everything now, especially with like horror films and like the marketing of it's cool to look like you're a horror film. Right. But if you really sit down and talk to somebody, most people who are posting constantly, oh, I just picked up this VHS, a repo man. Oh, and I just, I bought, I got wearing all this horror stuff. Most of them don't know shit. And that's the sad fact. Um, which is funny because you look at someone like my friend, Brian, Brian Tyler, very normal, BT, very normal looking guy wearing like a fucking polo and some goddamn Lee dungarees. Looks like a normal everyday dude, but could school everyone I've ever known in horror movies. <clears throat> Like, he doesn't dress dress to the fashion of it. You know, he doesn't have to... He will wear, like, a Dario Argento opera shirt or whatever, but he isn't, like, decked out or anything like that. And, like... Anyway, getting off in the weeds. But, yes, Night of the Living Dead, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Lost Boys. That's three. Those three are always 100% constantly in the mix. Um, a Nightmare on Elm Street will pop in... And out again, another one. Wes Craven created a, a modern universal monster. You know what a universal monster was? Freddy Krueger, Freddy Krueger, Freddy Krueger, Jason Voorhees. Those are our, and you guys are a little older than me, so those are the modern day quote unquote universal Mommy, monsters. Werewolf, exactly. Like, yeah, <clears throat> Michael Myers, Jason Voorhees. Freddy Krueger, Leatherface, those are like the modern day universal monsters. And to say that, you know, for one guy to say, I created him, I created, I created the Dracula, you know what I mean? Like, um, it's, so uh, Nightmare on Elm Street is always in the mix, and John Carpenter's The Thing. Fucker. Nice. Very good. Very good. Very good. Very good. Jesse just opened up his... His his shirt and, and underneath it he has a, a blue t shirt on that says the thing. Yes, well, that's the, something nobody. Since we don't do video yet, that's something that. I had yes, to. but that was this is uh, from his live performance where he performed all the scores of his film at the Palace Theater in Syracuse. So oh, it was really? The last stop on his tour last year. Dude is seventy. I think he was seventy one at the time. Stood the entire time. Didn't take one sip of water. Granted, he's not singing. It's all instrumentals. Would screen parts of the film behind him, synced with his the score of the film. So he put out uh, a record that was a complete rendition, uh, new renditions on his old scores. So he did a lot of all the scores for his films. The Fog, uh, obviously the most iconic horror film of all time, the most iconic score of all time, Halloween. Yeah. yeah, did it, he did Big Trouble in Little China as well, right? Yes, he did. That's my favorite film. Oh, all time, all time favorite <laughs> film. Number one, John Carpenter, right there. He's my favorite director. Uh, if I can't ex- express that enough, look at that. Like you and I have, I, I don't believe have met. We've before never met today. No. And your favorite film of all time is made by a master of horror, John Carpenter. I mean that is it's a perfect huge. film. We won't go off on Big Trouble in China, but it is literally a perfect. So film. actually, is he tagged in on the sequel that they're supposedly? Going uh, to? this is not. Yeah, I don't. He might be tagged in to get the check that they're going to yeah. write for using yeah, the, the intellectual yeah. property and the name. Is Dwayne, I'm that. just glad that it's not Johnson. a remake. Okay, because like, I guess if you're going to do a sequel, do whatever you're going to do with that, but don't do a remake where Dwayne the Rock Johnson, which uh, it is what it is. <laughs> Don't you dare make him Jack Burton. 
I will burn your shit down. So how do you guys now, and to, to cap off the top five, it's really hard for me to throw like a, like I said, those are always in contention. Obviously, uh, Text Chainsaw Massacre, Lost Boys, Night of the Living Dead are the top three. And I'm not going to, and a lot of people, and, and as I said, with these fake horror fans, they'll throw some really obscure title in their top five. It's just like it's a like, fucking like hipster fucking oh, music yeah. and shit, right? I mean, and it's so funny. They're like, they'll, they'll throw out something completely like super like obscure. And it's like, well, here's the thing. The movie was made and nothing against movies being made before your time. Obviously, I never lived in a world without any of those films made because they were all made before I was born in 1988. But these people that you're you're trying to glorify and say it's a top film, you haven't seen it. You didn't see it until 2010. You just start realize like, oh, there's a community of horror and they do all these. There's a Maniac Cop 2 vinyl. No one in the entire fucking world is going to have sat down and listened to that oh, whole Maniac God, Cop that, 2 vinyl. Those fucking Maniac Cop movies. The, now, listen, they're great. <laughs> Maniac Cop 2 is sick. It's a great film. It's an no, action horror. Like, but no one's. I. You'll never bump into somebody like, oh my God. What's that? They put name? out. What's that dude's name? Like, Robert Zadar. Zadar. Yes. Yes. The chin, the man of a thousand chins. He he put Jay Leno's to to shame. There there was him and there's one dude who always pay, plays like the post apocalypse radioactive mutant dude. Is he's it a, been is, bald, he's been bald like for forty years now. He's got very he's got a very like uniquely structured head. Wait, who's this? I'm trying to think of the I'm trying to think of the guy. Oh wait, like, from the guy from Hills Have Eyes? No, maybe. But Derek like, Mears. We're gonna have to, we're gonna have to oh god we're gonna have to look. Up I'm not seen. I've heard of the Maniac Cop series. I've not seen them. Are they are these Tromo films or no? No, they are not. Okay. But the first, you're, are you an Evil Dead fan? Love Evil Dead. Yeah. Okay. Bruce Campbell is the star of the first Maniac Cop. Really? Also Tom Atkins. Um, if you're a Lethal Weapon fan, um, he was in that. Uh, uh, if being just feeling you guys out for your film fandom, at least Michael Berryman. Yours, Wade. Michael Berryman? Oh, yes. yes, yes, of course. The Hills Have Eyes. Yes. Um, check out anything with Tom Atkins. Night okay. of the Creeps? You ever seen Night of the Creeps? I love Night of the Creeps. Tom Great Atkins. Flick. Great flick. Okay, all right. So, uh, so here's a I guess maybe here's a question. Are there horror films that kind of have moved outside of that? Like, Phantasm is almost its, oh. a, Phantasm is almost, almost its own genre. God, the original Phantasm is there's a huge There's a huge fanfare for uh, Phantasm now, because Don Coscarelli, who made the film, made all the films, he was just in, at the most in Syracuse, and he did a screening, an anniversary screening for Phantasm, and he was promoting a new book, and he was signing that, and... Uh, his movie Bubba Hotep. I mean, if you ever seen that, one. I've not seen it, but I know I've heard. <laughs> Again, of it, with yeah. uh, it was Bruce Bruce Campbell as well. Um, and and they put out like a, a great, awesome box set um, of the Phantasm films, and like that that like you said that it's kind of has its, its its own thing now. Like it's almost its own genre just because. It is kind of like, well, how would you describe it though? Would you say like it's this because it, it's trippy as fuck for sure, oh, and it's yeah. way out there. I don't even know how to describe it. It's, it's like uh, listen, I love the film and I love the sequels and it's very hard those are films that like a, a franchise like that it's so hard to explain what the fuck is going on. They're kind of films you just have to watch and I mean it they you just have to watch them. It's just it's so hard to cuz describing you, would be stupid. You, you, It'd be like you are equally you yeah, are there's a, there's a 
There's a chrome ball with spikes there's that there's chase giant, you around. Big, there's giant like, fucking marbles with yeah. blades in them killing <laughs> yeah. people. You like, I don't want to watch that shit. But like, but you do want to watch that shit. Oh that yeah, shit you just dope. don't know it yet. Right. Well, that and you, that you want that sweet, sweet hearse. Boy. God, is so good. <laughs> Anybody listening, please go and do yourself a favor. If you've not seen Phantasm, watch it. It's scary as shit. The first one specifically, and it's really, really good. Unfortunately, unfortunately Dowd's voice is never going to drop that low. But that, that he could he could hope that he grows into that. <laughs> yeah. No shit. <clears throat> but that's, I guess, like, the way I would describe Phantasm... It's just like one of those. Phantasm is to horror as um, like gunship is to music. It's like they make these they, this soundscape, and it's like this. I feel like the sound and the music is such a big part of Phantasm because it's so trippy and weird. Oh yeah, definitely. And it just sets the mood so so well that you can kind of believe like any of this stuff. Like in your mind, it kind of gets you in that zone where it's like. It just immerses you. It's very immersive. And so they'll tell you the craziest shit and you'll still be like, that's fucking terrifying. Not that's fucking stupid, but that is actually really, really scary. And man, I don't know what I'd do if I was in that situation. Yeah. So, you know, we're talking like favorite horror films or whatnot. And I don't know if it can, but like, have you seen Mandy yet? I have not. I have heard. Either. Obviously, there's it, the internet's been ablaze. Oh, yeah, with, yeah, yeah, yeah. With well, all I mean, that, yeah, because one, it's just Nicolas Cage in full form. But you know, and again, it's like one of these things. I like what is it? What's his face there? Uh, Panos Cosmatos. Like I'm, I'm just wondering because he he just he has a very weird way of just putting a film together. I heard it's. I've heard nothing but like. I've heard people that have said it's like it's so over the top outrageous it's amazing it's awesome but then i've also heard people who who naysay just to naysay though as well like as soon as there's any if there's any like if film's getting any kind of notoriety people are immediately want to trash it um same thing happened with hereditary hereditary for whatever reason got insanely great reviews initially and then I think people immediately, there's a, especially from more underground fans of the genre, they're immediately like, well, fuck you, this film ain't that good. I'm going to go fucking see it and prove it and pick it apart. Now, the film itself, I think the acting in it was tremendous in Hereditary. I thought it was, the acting was tremendous. Every person that they cast in there, except they were like a, a Jewish family, but the son looked middle eastern and it was just throwing me off the entire time like because stuff like that just i'm just like this kid's not jewish he does not look like paul stanley like i don't care how it was just throwing me off but other than that like it was amazing amazing acting in the film the film itself had some flaws but i did like it because have you all seen it i haven't seen it and i didn't see it because a friend of mine who is a big horror fan was like he was like, "Oh, it's not that good. Like, it's it's just not. It's not what you think. It's not what it was advertised as." And I was kind of like, well, "I guess I'm not going to go see it then." You want to know something? I thought it was. I almost didn't go see it because of the way it was advertised. Okay. And then I was pleasantly surprised. And the whole film, I was kind of like, you know, had this asshole pensive look on my face, like you know the my the impress me bro, like kind of like let's see what this fucking thing's all about. So I was kind of up in the air. Uh, uh, there was moments where the acting was bl- blowing me out of the water. And I was just like, wow, this is pretty good. The acting is. But is the story there? And the story was kind of like kafuffed dog shit. 
until the last five minutes of the film. And the last five minutes put a bow around that kafuff dog shit. And I was like, that's a fucking cool film. So if you can go in, that's what I try to do too. I try to wipe my mind of everything when I hear like people yeah. were already like huge Halloween fan with the Halloween film that they're still calling a reboot. N- not like not like not like my Jip Show Main Street Market podcast. Literally, like Spin Magazine is still calling the 2018 Halloween because they're calling it Halloween because they said, oh, if we call it like Halloween Homecoming, which was the intended title, they're like, oh, they're going to think it's a sequel. No one's going to see it. Well, anybody who was a real fan of Halloween and went to go see that film knew it was a direct sequel to the first one, and it negated everything after the first one, including including Lori being Michael's sibling. That That story wasn't brought in until the second one. And they even make reference to it in the film and say some, you know, kids are talking and they say, oh, wasn't it her brother? No, that was just some bullshit story that they put on it because that wasn't brought into the second one, which people and honestly, like I even had to think back for a second. I was like, yeah, that's right, because they showed that in the trailer to kind of get that out there. They didn't want to make it sound like a sequel. So Spin Magazine, Rolling Stone, they're still Mm -hmm. calling it a reboot. It's not a reboot. And and this is so as I've been listening to you talk about um like the 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 non-real fanboys and and you know stuff like this these marketing spins which are completely inaccurate. Don't you think it's good for the industry though? I mean, oh, it's bringing more people out to the theater and 100%. it's getting more people to watch and more people to talk about it. Isn't it good for the industry if, One, even though it's a little inaccurate? It's 100%. You want to know why? Cuz when it came out, it Made it and, and listen. I'm, I've grown to accept remakes because they have to. They're going to happen. You want to know why? And I'm fine with them. You want to know why? Because no one has great original ideas anymore. They're few and far between. So what needs to happen? You need to go back and you need to retell classic stories. How many renditions of Dracula do we have at this point? Yeah. Uh, a lot. Are there great ones? Yeah. Are there dog shit ones? Yeah. But guess what? That'd be like. You know, Francis Ford Coppola putting out Bram Stoker's Dracula in 1992 and then being like, oh, that's a dog shit film. Bullshit. Because that one falls in and out of my top five all the time as well. Amazing film, amazing acting, amazing cast. Over the top, the most accurate depiction of the Bram Stoker novel is Coppola's Dracula from 92. Um, but all these stories need to be retold. Why? Because no one, everyone's got dog shit ideas. They're terrible. Well, let's face it. Like there are no, there's no such thing as original thought, right? Like it's just Not different. A, I mean, it's on. like, I mean, it's like now, like people, like these bands come out and they, they're like, the riffs aren't impressive. You want to know why? Because Tony Iommi and Black Sabbath wrote ninety percent of the greatest riffs of all time, and it doesn't matter anymore. Like. Yeah, I, mean, I don't like. I'm not obviously. I'm not. Well, for I mean, like, and, and and to be fair, half those riffs are medieval minstrel songs. Exactly. Anyways, exactly. Just on on, on detuned doom guitar. I'll never be um, a proponent, and I'll always be critical of plagiarism. Like, if you just straight lift it, I'm not okay with it. But you have to recognize, like, Get Out was a really big one last year, right? Oh yeah, great huge. film. Loved it. I loved it. I thought it was great. But if you don't fucking think that that wasn't biting off on Hitchcock's shit, like you're insane. Oh yeah, it was, obviously. Was, you know what I mean? That like, was very Twilight Zone esque too. Yeah, and um, and I think, but, but 
harkening back to what you were saying, Trace, it, it, it's amazing for the industry because when the remake of It came out, like I said, that greenlit Pet Cemetery, the Pet Cemetery remake, which is coming out almost 30 years to the day, this coming April in 2019, it immediately greenlit that to happen. And any horror film, because horror is still 100% the redheaded stepchild of the film industry, they refuse to give the genre its credit because, you know, and I think a lot of it harkens back to kind of exploitation films. You look at Wes Craven, uh, Last House on the Left, Rape Revenge Story. Like, I mean, that stuff's even is ultra touchy now. Um, so, yeah, to me, it's like the industry needs the fanboys, right? It needs 100%. the people who are, who are attached to uh, the image of, <clears throat> with any industry, right? And uh, with something like horror, in, I'm, no, I'm no horror expert. In fact, I don't even think I can even name five, right? Shit. So, so <laughs> when you guys bring it, bring that around to me, I'm I'm gonna struggle. I'm gonna have to actually ask more questions than I'll probably answer. But, um, <clears throat> but when you say like like some of the best films were in the '70s and were in the '80s, and 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 we're picking apart what's happening now, it seems like if you can get people to pretend like they loved those movies. It's enough, like you said, to to uh, to tell the industry that that they can fund a movie. Um, I remember when uh, when David Duchovny, I, I heard an interview with David Duchovny about the X Files, right? Because the X Files came back mm-hmm. and they brought back another season. Of the I think they only did one season. I'm not sure, but Fox brought back another season of the X Files. Gunner saying two. Two. Are you watching it? Well, it, this this last this one was the last one, and there was a uh, yeah. So spoilers. There was a lot of like some serious mega bullshit in it, like mm-hmm. uh, the smoking man mm-hmm. actually date raped Scully, and that was where the kid came from. Oh, it wasn't full. It wasn't Mulder's kid. Wow. Oh. And there's like this whole subplot where basically they're like the people with the alien invasion, but uh, there was the wealthy cabal that was running Earth basically decided that we had fucked the planet enti- like entirely, so uh, they were uh, uploading their consciousness to computers. Oh, so they went. Yeah, they went went a little bit more. They went full Black Mirror on that that whole fucking thing. I guess they kind of had to. I mean, tech really wasn't out back then. I mean, Black Mirror, Black Mirror is the first I've seen push that many. Because actually, there was a, there was a, there was a (sighs) William Gibson one that they did, where they had the 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 freaking AI hunt the guy. Like it was hunting its creator down. Because this was, is an X Files episode. You're yeah, talking it had about? The, it, it had the it, it was it was the the AI. There basically they it was a like this sixty year old dude and his twenty one year old graduate student girlfriend and all this stuff. And it was it was a crew of people, but they had built this AI because what they were trying to do was actually upload their consciousness into computer. Like, and they needed the AI to help them figure it out. And it's like in this fucking clapped out when like they had this clapped out Winnebago. And like it would move from trailer park to trailer park, avoiding this dude. But yeah, so basically, it's it like there's the the movie o- the, their episode opens with this hit because the dude is writing a virus to try and fucking kill this AI, and he's in a diner and he sees like these Hell's Angels come in, and he sees a bunch of ATF agents come in, and then he sees a bunch of FBI agents come in, and they all fucking like you know like there's a phone call basically that blows it in, and they fucking have like this huge shootout in the middle of it and you're thinking that that's the thing that's going on but yes it was this whole staged hit to kill this guy and he just sends a text message to the fucking machine like saying good on you 
So, and, 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 oh, shit. so the point that I was trying to get at, and, and, and I, I'm fine getting into X-Files episodes, although I, I, I was so young when I watched those, I don't remember them to that detail. And that is awesome. Was that from the original? Yes, or was that, that was so from the original series. In the interview with David Duchovny, I remember a specific question. It reminds me of this when, when you're talking about the term reboot. And <clears throat> I can't remember who, who was interviewing him. I want to say it was Joe Rogan, but I'm not positive. And... Um, and who, whoever was interviewing used the term. They said, so, so X-Files is getting a reboot. And David Duchovny goes, it's the same fucking... It's the same characters. It's the same fucking It's the plot. same fucking intro where we fall through the X. He's like, I don't even think they made it widescreen. No. <laughs> right? It, yeah, it's... That's how we answered them. And, and it was the same type of thing where mm-hmm. David Duchovny is like, why are we calling this a reboot? We just decided to make more episodes. So it's, I think it's very interesting that the same terminology was incorrectly used uh, in the case of the X-Files. And, and I wonder if it's just because people want to use the word. I think it's, it's people just want to use the word. It's like how they like... It's, it, I think it's easier for Hollywood to explain something as a reboot because you look into the late 80s and early 90s and those films started teetering off right at the 13th. Part 8, Jason Takes Manhattan. They did it to themselves, right? Yeah. So yeah. now they're like, listen, no one's going to fucking see Halloween 12. They're not doing it. It's Halloween. But now, to put it into perspective as someone who is... And, and when I talk about fake fans, and I agree with what you're saying, is even if they are like kind yeah, of... Fake fans they are, are better than no hard as they yeah. seem. High Tide raises all ship. Mm-hmm. Um... Uh, but when you put it, when you break it down to like myself and the the nerds that I have on my podcast, we look at it like this. Okay, now there's th- in, in the franchise, which includes the Rob Zombie remake. Can you get your sidebar at your opinion on those? Love them both. Okay, good. So do which I. is which people take a lot of issue with, especially because I think Hall- Rob Zombie's Halloween Two is his best film behind Devil's Rejects. Devil's Rejects. I love dearly. Yeah. Love dearly. Well, that's like the original. That's like obviously it's hearkening back to the and paying homage to like the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Oh, one hundred percent. But like, I mean, about as original as you can get. Like with those within movies, the right? realm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and I get a lot of shit for that because Rob Zombie's Halloween Two is maybe one of the most hated films. But it is such it's such a, a human piece. It's I would so argue seeing them react because if you take Michael Myers out of this out of the situation, it is humans reacting to the aftermath of murdering the murdering of their friends, the murdering of Laurie Strode's parents, her coming to grips with what's happening, a book's being writ- written about her, and it's all about how she reacts to that, and then he comes obviously back. We're deep in the woods here, but like I distinctly remember from Rob Zombie's Halloween 2. That's probably, in the last 10 to 12 years, the best opening probably 30 minutes of a horror movie that I can even think of. Really. Uh, it's 100. You know, you know what, though? I say the same thing, and it's the... And you, you want to know what? And when I say fake horror fans, I need to find a better way to describe them because they're people that are usually older than me that will say, you're... Pussy piece of shit for thinking that's cool, and you're not as punk rock and as cool as me. And look at me, I do. Oh, I'm so I love Misfits are sick. I, I never saw original show, but I love them. <laughs> and like it, they were the same. They were the same dickheaded cocksuckers that fucking would stop me in the hallways of Kansas High School and be like, "You never fucking saw the Ramones. Did you, dickhead? You were twelve when Lollapalooza, Lollapalooza was on." Side note: 
how badass are you that the Ramones write a song about your book slash film? Oh, like the Ramones are my all time favorite band. Like, oh, of, yeah? of, of all, all right. time. We did two, I did two episodes on the Ramones as well, doing the first part of their career from 74, their origins, until um, like the early 80s, and then doing a second half from the, the mid 80s to the very end. I did two episodes, and I think they're both a little over two hours. My friend Lou Smith, who's also a huge Ramones fan. Um, and uh, we talk extensively about Pet Cemetery in the Stephen King episodes that we do. Nice. Um, because that is just like... Uh, it's so odd. It's so crazy. Dude. Oh, yeah. So, the, the Ramones have a, a... Actually, it's a pretty catchy and pretty good song called Pet Cemetery. It's about like Stephen King's novel. It's Actually, so I guess here's a question. I mean, other than Pet Cemetery, is there is there any actual... Other than Pet Cemetery and Misery, are there actually any good Stephen King adaptations... To film? Yes. Plenty. Are you? Are you well, no, no. I mean, but, 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 but I guess maybe the, to the theme of the book itself. You know, like, cause like, there, there are good films that are based off of his work. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if they're necessary. You know, like, they're so saying they don't so do it, justice to the book. Well, all, no, they're, 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 they're kind of almost their own thing. It's like it's that retelling. It's that 100%, retelling of it. One hundred percent is because there's a lot of people, and and honestly, I fall into this category up until I was probably I mean, like, 10, 11 years old. I knew Stephen King was an author, but I literally, like, listen, I'm far from the most intelligent person in the world, but I like to think I'm a little well-read. I'm smarter than, you know, at least three or four handfuls of the people that were surrounding me at the halls of Canada High School. But, hey, maybe I'm an arrogant asshole. Who knows? I've been accused of that once or twice. Um, But it is... They, I didn't discover the books until later, and reading them, they are the movies are adaptations, obviously, but they are their own kind of thing as well because there's so many people. How many people will know, say, Pet Cemetery? They immediately think of the 1989 film. They don't think of the book. No, they definitely think of the film. Absolutely, yeah. and, 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 and the same thing with a lot of things like Carrie. No one thinks. Everyone no. thinks Sissy Spacek. Misery. Like, no one's yes. thinking of the book. Exactly. You're thinking of Kathy Bates. Stand by me. No one's Kathy even Bates. thinking that it's Stephen King. No. Like you actually had to remind me. Of when that. you say exactly. misery, Kathy Bates is sitting right in front of me. Yes. Ex- exactly. And right. that's you can't take Kathy and Bates. And James Con. I mean, yeah. in the bed. <laughs> even when I say when I, even when I say misery, misery made some very significant changes to the flow the flow of that story oh, yeah. too and, and you know like the the the, the hobbling's actually worse the hobbling i think is less violent but actually worse than what she does to him in the fucking book oh yeah and it's the films are and that's what's just i could i could talk about i could have a whole i, I might even just completely can everything i was going to do on my podcast and just do a whole stephen king podcast because that's how much i adore he is the best storyteller in my opinion, of all time. He is the most prolific author of all time. I think he's going down as the greatest author of all time. My opinion. Granted, I'm it's biased. It's tough to argue. I'd say it's very difficult to I argue. Mean, I mean, look- the dude's churning out great content. I feel bad that some of the stuff... Because there's always... Everyone's got great good and bad, right? Everyone's got like some shitty things. And he has some... some as far as box office and adaptations, he has some bad ones. Like Sleepwalkers. See, Oof. I did a whole episode on Sleepwalkers recently. Um, Dreamcatcher, Dreamcatcher was pretty fucking. Oh no, Dreamcatcher was metal as fuck. I liked Dreamcatcher <laughs> a lot. Okay, um, see, I'm someone. I think I've I, seen Dreamcatcher, and what I remember, I'm with Gunner. What do you mean? 
did you, did you say Dreamcatcher was not good? No, I said Dream Dream Dreamcatcher Dreamcatcher was great on a couple of different levels. I don't know if it necessarily, but just I, I like the fact that it was the first film depiction of all the shitty psychic talents in uh, Palladium Games, <laughs> where it's like. Why would I fucking pick this? And it's like, no, you don't understand. You gotta mix those cantrips up just right, and then you're a fucking you're a fucking machine. <laughs> because they're freebies. See, I love Sleepwalkers. Really, I love it, and <clears throat> and not just because Matron and Mick is literally God's gift to the early '90s, and her dancing in the movie theater spilling popcorn is like that is like that might have been my first erection of all time <laughs> it's between that and maybe Linnea Quigley in Return of the Living Dead when she danced on the gravestone nice um I'm trying to think back yeah that's Cemetery probably cemetery boners are important boners oh yeah. oh they're the most crucial <laughs> It, it, they've superseded the fear boner, yeah. the death boner. It's like you are getting a very small window of survival. The only thing you have, no, you can do to reproduce, is get a boner right now and go. It's the psychological. Uh, it's the psychological adrenal fear response equivalent of the uh, autoerotic asphyxiation thing. You know, where it's just like my, my my limbic system is responding as if I'm in death. So yeah, let's let's go to fucking town. And like recently, the Dark Tower. Ugh. So, so I th- see. I've yet to see the film. I've not seen it. It's been panned so bad. My, my a friend of mine had, g- had just gifted me the Dark Tower, uh, the first, fi- the first two uh, books, and I've yet to dive into them. I mean, it's on my to do list. Not, not to hate on Matthew McConaughey, but really, if they can't, I mean, like, and other than the fact that the dude is way too old to do it now, but if you can't get that guy who played Randall Flagg. In the fucking oh, stand, God. yeah. Then it's just, I'm sorry, it's just, it's not gonna fucking work. Because oh, he was, the he was, stand. he okay. There were, there is, there is a lot of things with that fucking miniseries. But Randall, Randall Flagg was fucking crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anybody that has great. the balls to put Blue Oyster Call as their opening song to a to a miniseries or whatever gets my stamp of approval. I mean, uh, yeah, okay. and, and the stand has the upside of it's not the Tommy Knockers. So that's that's. Although Tommy Knockers does have the, the the awesome scene of hey, I'm gonna drive these like fucking like like light bright nails into the side of my head at the fucking end of it and and, and kind of walk off into space. So, as someone that's not a fan of Sleepwalkers, as and and you said like, are there how many good film adaptations are there? Something that is literally keeps horror the genre in genre films in general, action, sci-fi, alive. Without it, there is. It doesn't exist. There is no Halloween 2018. There's no Hereditary. There's no It. Nostalgia. Nostalgia is everything. You want to know why I love Sleepwalkers? Because I probably got my first boner to Mason and Mick dance around spilling popcorn on the floor. <laughs> That's probably why. Um, but being so young, Mark Hamill from Star Wars is in Sleepwalkers too. He has a cameo at the very beginning. Really? And also Toby Hooper and also Mick Garris and also Clive Barker, um, who did the Hellraiser films. Um, uh, actually, so the, that was I which go back. The, the Hellraiser, Quartermass in the Pit, because you know again like there there's some fucking uh, Hammer did so many fucking awesome ones. Oh yeah, I like Quartermass in the Pit because it's the first one that like it's this weird fucking interstitial period where you have you're confronted with outward you know like it's it's like it's like they don't know how, they don't know how to like fucking convey it, but you're confronted with like terror from beyond, like just the fucking like Cthulian outer god kind of stuff and it doesn't have the fit you know like and again it's just maybe this is a british thing 
but like all the American films around the time, like the government was super competent and fucking dealing with things, and like the British are like, no, you had no, we don't, we're, we have no fucking idea what the fuck we're doing, and we bring in the experts and like the, like the experts are fucking scrambling, but like the the, the government's like, I, 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 and it's like it's not like bumbling, it's like they just they literally are just incapable exactly. of fucking dealing with reality. And you can just see the fucking way that this is going to spiral down from the start of the film. And it's, 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 it's this, again, you know, like, again, it's, it's, you watch, you watch things change. Cause like, <clears throat> when I talk, you know, like we go back to Mandy, Mandy's weird because Mandy's effectively like straw dog. If it was shot like the, like Jacob's ladder. So what's, I don't know if you've ever seen Straw, Straw Dog, Dog with uh, Dustin uh, yeah. Hoffman. Yes. Yeah. So it's just a fucking revenge fantasy, but like you're in fucking purgatory. Or, like, I'm very interested to check out Mandy. Because I, have I, you I, two I, seen it yet? I have not. And once again, I need to stop listening to people. But a, I would say legitimate horror fan like told me, yeah, I saw it. Eh, I don't know. Not as, <sighs> he said not as good as See, I thought that's it was going to be. Straw Dog. What's Straw Dog? Straw Dog is a Dustin Hoffman like fucking Sam Peckinpah revenge film. So it's like he's just like this quiet nobody. You think he's just a fucking pushover, and eventually he just goes on this fucking murderous re- revenge rampage at the it, towards the end of it because his girlfriend gets like the fucking guys are giving like, him shit. It's like an earlier take of falling, falling down. down. Yeah. Falling oh, down no. is the first thing that came to my mind. Oh, when you oh. Said that. Uh, that still, it, it, that's a movie. I just it and it's. Those films, like I said, like I said, nostalgia is everything. And even someone like that, he doesn't even consider themselves like really a horror fan per se. You like horror elements. You like horror films. Horror, horror is the most accessible, accessible genre that there is because of things like that. And even falling down, something that isn't like it's more of like a drama family. Yeah. I I say it's a family it's a like drama. drama, yeah, because it is. But I show my girlfriend it, who's six, five, six years younger than me, and it's completely over her head. Like she's like, "Was he? Uh, you work in the post office? Like why is yeah. he? Like but she, uh, yeah, because it's like it's totally different now too. Oh yeah, like this has ruined everything. Yeah. Internet and right our now. phones and everything. You want to know why? Because it's not about. The experience. It's about of, find. It's about finding a group that you can bullshit your opinion with, and they'll agree to it. Bingo. And it's about looking. Guess what? It's not about going. It's not about going and watching Creed two this weekend. It's about saying hashtag Creed two. So 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 part of me, like you talk about nostalgia. Part of me has to has to be on the opposite side. I have to play devil's advocate, right? Mm-hmm. Because nostalgia only exists because you're exposed to something new. Right at a time when you were vulnerable, and then as you grow up, you're kind of fond of that, right? Like, like uh, we talked before um, before we started recording, and and I wish we were recording, um, and we can maybe we can dive into a little bit of it again. But we were, we we had a really good conversation going about it, right? Stephen yeah. King's it. Now I don't know a whole lot about it. I think I was okay. nine when it was on. I think I think I was nine when it, when it was on television. Mm-hmm. Um, but at nine, it was a very scary thing. So when I see it coming out again, right, and 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 I see it's got good reviews, I want to go see it for nostalgia, right? For me, I want to see it for nostalgia, right? But I have an eight-year-old son now, right? He's the same age that I was when it was being played. And what network did you say it was played on? 
Uh, ABC. ABC was playing it. So it was actually like safe for broadcast television, right? Yeah. Not like not like like late night cable stuff. We're talking broadcast television. I think what was it like nine PM it started or something. Right. It was the same time though when we were that age. Yeah. 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 Well I'm yeah. So oh, okay. um but that was scary enough, even with the filtering of what broadcast television would allow, right? Because the oh yeah, the, the FCC is pretty strict about about yeah. what they allow o- over the airwaves. So for me, it's nostalgia. But then when I see my son at the playground, right, and they're running around playing Pennywise, I'm like, this isn't nostalgia for them. This is something new, right? So nostalgia is important for horror to get us out to the theater. But what's getting the kids out to the theater? There's something different, right? They this the, the, the seed of fear needs to be planted again to them. So so I have to counter that a little bit. Like nostalgia is very important, especially for the diehard horror fans. But it, it, for, as an outsider, when I'm looking at it, I'm like, well, there, there's something else. Um, in the, the first thing it's that the, comes to my the- mind. Is loving being scared. Everyone loving being scared, loves yeah. to be scared. The first thing that comes to my mind, really, when it comes to modern horror, the first thing that comes to my mind is Five Nights at Freddy's. Right? It's not, nothing to do with 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 um, with actual movies. Mm-hmm. Although they might have something now. I don't know. I haven't seen any yet. But it's it's really been the video game series, right? Yeah. Have you played it? I had no clue about this until my brother showed me it, and he came over to my apartment once, and he's. Uh, uh, he's a little younger than me, and he came over, and he was just like, "I'm gonna watch Five Nights at Freddy's," and I was just like, "It's Five rich. Nights at Freddy's." He just watched somebody playing. And so I'm, I'm watching it, and I was just like, "Are you watching gameplay?" And he's like, "Yeah," and I'm just like, I sat there and I watched it, and I'm sitting there, and me and my girlfriend are looking at each other, and she's like, "This is fucking, this is trippy, this is weird," and I feel awkward right now watching it because it's so like, it's like a weird acid. It's it's way out there, and you well, can you, almost I mean, like, credit. Are, are, I mean, like, and I, I don't know. Like, are you familiar? Like, if you're watching the thing, but like, did you pick up on like the whole plot of the the the, the fucking? So you could almost human credit experimentation you can, a you, little bit, yeah. yeah but I only watched like, like ten minutes. You could almost like, credit child the founder. Murder. You can almost credit the founder <laughs> of Atari. Dark. Okay, you can almost credit the founder of Atari for this. And Gunner knows kind of where I'm going here. No, Donald he's Hunter? pondering. No, the, the founder of a, yes. Well, the founder of Atari is also the founder of Chuck E. Cheese, believe oh, it or not. And, and really? he's yeah, and he's the guy that really brought animatronics to the masses. Nolan Bushnell. Animatronics really haven't been to to the extent that they were when we were growing up, where you could actually go to a Chuck E. Cheese and there was they, they would like like playing in a band, right? I mean, we have a um, they still have them there. They don't really do anything, but like um, in, in upstate New York at the um, at the water at the water park, Enchanted there, Forest has one of the few they still have one Rockefeller explosion. They still have the old animatronics there, really? but it's not really in operation. Um, they I think they they come on once in a while and sing a song, but it is just straight up creepy, right? Well, these I don't know. What's interesting is the kids know it by by brand name they don't call them singing robots they call it animatronics right yes which was the marketed term for all these singing robots back then right they call all of the five nights at freddy's animatronics and they're like oh well it's it's freddy's and freddy's is a freddy's is like a it's like a pizza place it's like an arcade and, the, and there's animatronics there and and you're a security guard but unfortunately there's issues with this is an old beat-up building and there's issues and you have to keep an eye on the building but what you realize as you're looking at your cameras when you stop looking, you only look at one camera at a time, right? When you stop looking at one camera and look at another one, you realize that one of the animatronics has moved. 
and he's one room closer to you and they never actually move. That's the best part. They never actually, you don't get to see them walk. So whoever made this game, he must have made this game. It probably is less than 2000 lines of code. It only runs on windows. Okay. He couldn't have ported this fucking game to another platform. It only runs on Windows, um, although they might have it for, for Xbox and stuff like that by now. But um, So, so you, you got this game where, where you really like, okay, where the fuck did he go? Where'd the fucking robot bunny go? Where the fuck did the robot bunny go? And you're clicking around. You're like, what are you? oh, shit, he's right there. And what happens is um, as you use, you're the security guard, but if you are staring at a camera too long, it drains your battery. For some reason, like the power gets cut and you're on a battery backup. And it drains your battery when you use a camera. So you got to reserve your power by only looking once in a while, right? Only once in a while you can peek at these cameras. And then before you know it, either your battery dies and then you're fucked. One of them is going to come out and kill you, right? Or... Um, you know, or they they get really close, and you can like kind of open and close the doors that are right next to you. But th- that costs energy. It's right? essentially it costs, it costs like aliens, like with the motion trackers, right? Like it's essentially that's essentially what he what he lifted from that. But you know what really it, it, to to someone who doesn't know a lot about the Five Nights at Freddy's shit, and I just kind of from afar, and I got if my brother didn't watch the videos, I would have no clue because uh, I only see my brother probably once or twice a year. I'll I'll get together with him. Um, it's hugely uh, merchandised. Merchandised, yeah, more it's so hu- than the game. Oh, one hundred percent. And that's that's my point. If something can be merchandised, I mean, they talk about this all the time. It's not drawn out in black and white, but Freddy Krueger was a child killer. We knew that. It was more or less explained. He was a, ch- a pedophile. He was a pedophile killing that child was, killer. That, that was why he was burned alive. Right. They made fucking Freddy Krueger PJs for kids. Right. And but, fucking nightlights and dolls and things like that. Jason and if Ward, something, but, but if, if something if, can if, be merchandised. But if they, had, if they had learned from modern day merchandising, they would have realized there should have been six different colors. Oh, 100%. Yeah, right? but then you are also, um, in my opinion, you are setting... If you're going to merchandise and do that, you have to kind of take the good in with the bad. So now I think that's kind of what happened to the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise. I think the first three films were, I liked them. I thought they were really good. Then they it started gaining this craze. And then Freddy became this not really so scary character, but he came almost like a joke. So that oh, the yeah. next... The next ones that come out, sure. it's not nearly as powerful. It's not. It's no longer like this horror movie. It's kind of like this. And they kept making them because they cost pennies, right? And they would still fretted or Nightmare on Elm Street four. Up until the its point was the the most successful uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. Four like four like was at the peak of Freddy because Dream Warriors was huge mm-hmm. and uh, that movie's groundbreaking. I think that's the best sequel of all those franchised films. That's the best one because you had a lot of stuff spawned from that. One, you had the first, maybe the first. I'm almost positive the first band that wrote a song for the horror movie. Dokken, Dream Warriors. And guess what? At the end of the VHS, when you bought the VHS, you got the Dokken, Dream Warriors video at the very end. That was like huge and groundbreaking. And then bands did it like incessantly from that point on. 
And that film is where Freddy started getting a little more wisecracking and, you know, welcome to prime time, bitch. And then and so it's he 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 went leprechaun in the leprechaun in the hood, yeah yeah essentially not that bad not me what yeah. the fuck is leprechaun in the hood <laughs> oh leprechaun. my god oh god Trace I'm, I got a, a homework project for you first because there's a new leprechaun coming there out is, yeah. with Mark Just, Holton who is in the original um watch if you can make it through now the first leprechaun has Jennifer Aniston in it. She like ref- a very young Jennifer Aniston. Yes, she's, I, this I, is pre. I like Friends. her as an actress. Pre Friends. Yeah, I like her as an actress. She's great in it uh, for what it is, right. um, and it's a, a hilarious. Again, it's something for me. It's nostalgic. It's super goofy. The makeup effects in it are great. Warwick Davis, who played Willow, if you remember that one, um, is that a pig or something? No, <laughs> Babe's the pig. Willow. You've never seen Willow? Ben Willow, Willow. Was that a Val spider? Kilmer? Willow with Val Kilmer. It's a fan, like a fantasy, like it high was, fantasy it was, adventure. It was film. effectively the end of that whole break because they had. Dude, they, if you did, if you saw a picture of it, you would definitely know what Willow. You know, like she, well, wait, hold on, no, no, no. Good, yeah, Willow, she turns them into pigs. Lady Is that Hawk, what you're talking about? Where the queen uh, turns legend, into pigs? Or yes. No? Uh, I don't there was think one I know. fucking weird he's, he's, Rucker Howard crusade film. Where he's like the fucking insane. He's the I know insane, what you're talking about. But yes, Warwick Davis also plays Professor Dumbledore from the Harry Potter films too. Um, but anyway, great actor, obviously a midget. I know that's not super, you know, people, you have to what, call them small people. Or Little whatever. people. Or something. Yeah. I mean, that's another thing. If dwarfism. You listen, dwarfism is a thing. Look at the scientific. Yeah. Thing. If you listen to our podcast, we are very, uh, we don't like to get political at all, mm-hmm. but we got a We little, make that mistake plenty of times down here, so don't worry. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. There you go. Yeah, man. Willow's, Willow's great. What was, it, what was it? A Sorsha or something like that? The freaking... The main, the main bit. Oh, it's on the tip of my tongue. I can't even think of what it was. Like, so, I gotta I gotta ask you, because, you know, we're talking about random fucking horror thing. Have you have you seen Terror Dome? Terror Dome? Terror Dome. So, Terror Dome... I don't think so. ...was this kind of, like, <laughs> fucking super not licensed thing... They did a horror fighting game oh, in the style yeah, yeah, of Mortal yeah. Kombat. Are you a gamer? Not at all. Yeah, we should. I, well, not I just, so I just bought have, an Xbox last year. You can and I Xbox only, One. Yes, yeah, you can. Whoa, you can whoa, have whoa. Herbert West throw down with Matt Cordell, or you, basically every. So basically every iconic horror dude. Wow. From the last. Twenty years. So they, they yeah, Freddy Krueger's in it. Ash, just like the Super Pumpkin Smash Brothers of movies. It's, it's like, but it's, it's fan made, so it's pretty shitty. It's not great, mm. but it's kind of cool because it, their heads like, in there. We talk about films doing their own genre, like Child's Play is like that too, though. One hundred percent. I mean, you're talking about. I mean, I mean like you guys will remember. To, I, I only remember a lot of this stuff is because my parents didn't grow out of the '80s until like. Till Spice World came out. <laughs> and they're like, hey, do you want a fucking Digipet or Gigapet or whatever the fuck they were called? Um, and I was like, no, I'm fine with this weird burnt orange shag carpet you got and all the VHS tapes that I learned how to read off the handwritten titles that we recorded off Cinemax. Um, so my parents were like, we were like small. We were like a little Lewis Point Canada. We were just behind on the times all the time. <laughs> like I didn't get a, a DVD player until like 2001. They'd been out for a few years. Like, I want Blade. I want to get Blade. Blade looks cool. Wesley Snipes is in it. I'm like, okay, well, you're getting the VHS. Can we get a DVD player? No. Fuck no. Those things are expensive as shit. 
Right? This fad. goddamn RCA v- VCR has been treating us well for 12 years. You know what's interesting about, about DVDs is that there was, you could, I, I wasn't around for the VHS war, right? Because it was VHS versus Betamax. Was Betamax. Yeah. Yeah. I, I wasn't around for those wars, but I mean, there was a lot of people that went out and invested in, oh, yeah. in Betamax and then it didn't take off. What was interesting about DVDs is its biggest competitor was fucking Laserdisc. Yeah. You fucking see those discs? Wait, was Laserdisc really a competitor of DVD? I thought... No. It was... It was well, it was, Laserdisc was pre-DVD. Yeah. Well, there was... Uh, there was DivX and DVD. Those were the two ones that were fighting out. Okay. DivX was the one that they could... You could, in theory, rent... A f- you, like, you would have the disc on hand, but you would rent permission to watch it, and then you could upgrade to actually owning it. Laserdisc was kind of its own, like pre, you know, it's. Yeah. It was Sony too, right? Uh, yes. Actually, Laserdisc yeah. was Phil- Laserdisc was Philips. Those oh, it's Philips. Were, really? Yes. The size of Laser- a vinyl Laserdisc, record. Laserdisc, Laserdisc isn't. So it, Laserdisc isn't digital. It's a completely analog. It's analog format. It uses a laser really? to read it. Yes, it's actually what it's actually like. Part of this is that it's the only way that you can get unfucked with Star Wars copies. Really? Because those are the only like base. It's the highest fidelity. Unaltered versions of those films, like when they go to do the re- like the that fan was remasters shot from because they're done directly from they're done directly from wow. the original Star well, Wars. Well, if anybody masters. wants the uh, Terminator Two Judgment Day or Pet Cemetery Two, I last time I was at Record Archive in Rochester, they had them both there. They have a whole laser disc, dude. Now to get technical here, because I like the technical part. Now, now, Gunner, what you're really saying is that the video itself. Is not compressed, right? Because DVD actually compresses. Yeah, it's it's the it's, video down. Well, it's it's not it's not encoded. It's not converted. Right. Encoded so in a DVD, a what it does is it gets it string. gets the frames, right? Mm-hmm. It finds the similar pixels pixels in the frames and it compresses them. And you can choose how lossy you want it to be. And the problem with that, that lossiness is is that you. It, that that will remain in the copy forever. You can never get back to that original, you know, like like the real to real film quality. What he's saying is, is the laser disc actually didn't have any compression at all. That makes sense why it was so fucking big. Yeah, because it's 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 a it's you're you're actually doing a. It's the same way that a VCR signals encoded, where it's an actual. It's a you're you're looking at an amplitude. Uh, you know, it's a, it's an FM and. Uh, audio CDs aren't aren't, aren't uh, those those are they're technically digital, but but audio CDs are essentially the same way. There's no compression on them. Well, I mean, like they're 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 clipping out some they're clipping out some data. So like there's an actual maximum uh, bottom and top end as far as like what frequency. This still they're, twice they're, that of a cassette. Well, deck. Yeah, but it, you know unless, that's why I don't unless it's unless it's digital compact cassette, sir. Which again, like formats, didn't pick the, formats up that didn't, the, the, the formats that didn't live. What was the um, mini what was the little tiny? Oh, yeah, yeah mini, mini discs. Disc. I fucking loved those things. I never owned them, but they I still so have. Cool. I have several it. from my old band. I have several of our shows it's, and and it, footage on mini discs really? still. And dude, my girlfriend saw them, and like I said, she's five or six years younger than me, so she's in her mid twenties, and she's like, "What the fuck?" She's like. Is that a mini? What is that? A mini DVD? And I was like, yeah, it's a mini disc. She's like, what the fuck is a Wasn't mini Wasn't it in disc? a cartridge? Yes. Yeah, what a great idea. Because your DVDs got scratched. That was one of, you know, DVDs and CDs got scratched. That was one of the biggest problems. I, I think I loved that the is, idea of the cartridge. If any old school retro medium or for media has a chance at coming back, I think the mini disc 
I'd put my money on that well, one. Well, the, pro- the, That's pro- part, the pro- I, you the think problem? Nintendo was ahead of the game trying to do the GameCube with the? Well, <laughs> actually, the U- the the UMD is derived from a lot of the tech that they did for Mini. The problem is, is that all the fucking like really interesting off-brand media formats are all fucking Sony, and Sony will yeah. Sony unfortunately because it's a conglomerate will destroy itself. Yeah, because. The tech side of the company will come up with here's this fucking awesome thing, and then the copy, the, the the media production side of the company will come in and override all of almost all their major technical decisions. Where you have in like the business side will okay, we're gonna have these super aggressive licensing fees for other people to use it, and it's congratulations. You know, it's one of these things where it's this threshold of. Well, we think that we're big enough that we can bully our way into using the using a media format, and even though they've tried this like six times and failed every single one of them, it's like the, the guys. Well, I got a I got a new idea, and it's like no, it's the same fucking idea last time. Well, so, Sony's not even a billion dollar company; they're a trillion dollar. Company. Well, oh, see, well, see, they have, they may have in theory trillion a trillion dollar a trillion in dollar equity assets, and, yeah. But like Sony's like fucking you know. Sony is not a cash positive comp- conglomerate at the moment. Like you know, there's 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 you know, like that was part of that whole like fucking. Like, I don't know if you remember the hack that they had. The 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 yes. But part of part of that whole thing was is that there was a lot of like dirt. You know, like you know, people talk about Hollywood accounting, like how the fucking they hide money. But is it how Sony Pictures? Was basically bullshitting what their actual, you know, like equity coming in was, or like their actual mm-hmm. income. Like the electronics division is a complete fucking total disaster. Like the fucking the PlayStation division, the fucking bastard redheaded stepchild of the whole fucking company yeah. is the only thing that was keeping them. Well, yeah, they, they just announced. Net. They just announced uh, their October sales beat out all other consoles. Oh yeah, fucking dude, PlayStation. This console and Jesse, not to not to get too far into the weeds with the video game stuff. No, 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 no. But this console um, cycle, PlayStation fucking wrecked everybody. Like, I won't count Nintendo because Nintendo just got the Switch in, and I would consider that this this uh, generation's one, and they entered it so late. But they fucking mopped the floor with Microsoft. I mean, bad. So, um, And you mentioned the GameCube format. And I'm sorry to talk over yeah. here, Gunner. Um, you mentioned the GameCube disc. I'm pretty sure... Um, and Gunner can probably confirm this because he knows this weird shit. I'm pretty sure, and I think earlier you just you were talking about whether or not to use the term "little people" or or whatever. That is the that is the midget version of the DVD. Yes, it actually is a DVD carved small and really? it can only hold like one third well, of the I data. Don't, I, don't, I don't know if it you is, remember all I'm those. I'm pretty sure it is exactly a DVD. Do you remember my micro and CDs? That's why it's my, the dumb, it was the dumbest idea. It's cute, but it was the dumbest idea because they got a format that the industry was already using Well, that could hold like well, like three gigs of data. And they said, no, sorry, we're going to cut it down to one. There was two things, which is that one, it was a smaller, because actually it's the same size as those fucking mini, I don't know if you remember that, that, that whole stack of- Like the business card CDs and shit people were handing out? Well, yeah, the micro the micro CDs, or the mic, my micro CDRs. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, so like when you have a CD-ROM drive on the computer, remember there used to be like a little circle and then the big one. Yeah, the little, yes. Yeah, the, it fits in the little one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's weird. It's like it's like they always had this idea of having this mini form. Factor. See, I feel like I worked for a company that did were the only um, authorized Sony repair mm-hmm. 
uh, company in the United States. The only other place where they got Sony repaired that were authorized was Mexico. Mm-hmm. So a company I worked for um, were the only... This is why Sony is so perplexing. Just having a little... The, the, the tiniest insight Just into the Sony's business dealings. Uh, I worked in the consumer division. And I did like a lot of... Uh, uh, data entry and things like that. Um, sorry, for and, tra- sorry for trashing the old gig. What's that? Sorry for trashing on the old gig. Oh, it's okay. Um, and uh, probably at least we're talking like 60 or 70 sound bars a week that they would just trash and replace, give the customer a new one because it was dog shit garbage. So 60, 70 a week times 52 weeks. Sometimes it would be more than that. You're talking after Christmas. We're... There were some weeks where we were getting like 120 to almost 200 soundbars a week, just Sony soundbars of usually specific one to two models. So Sony was completely replacing those and including uh, all their receivers, which you couldn't, like even working there, and I bought a Sony TV before I started working at this place, and I don't work there anymore, but um, Sony TV has treated me well. It's completely fine, but... Every Sony electronic there, they started. They started Sony. Sony came to them, little tiny place in Syracuse, and said, "We need you to start repairing Sony. We'll send people there to teach you how to repair these products, and we're gonna, you know, general basis. This is how you repair a soundbar. This is how you repair repair receiver, DVD, DVD player, what have you, because everything was garbage. Everything was failing, and they are the biggest by far." What'd you see the least of? You saw a lot of Denon and Marantz receivers, but other than that, you didn't see a lot of other things coming in from Denon and Marantz that were trash. And you know what you really never saw? Um, Samsung TVs you saw a lot, but you know what you never saw? Any kind of Samsung or LG was few and far between. Maybe maybe five to, five to seven a week of their DVD, Blu-ray, and then... When you would get like things like Moranson, you would get like a 1977, and you know the crotchety old friggin' Biff Tannen guy <laughs> sent in his Morantz, like oh, it's got the original. The f- fucking the styrofoam was yellow because the dude had it when Nixon was in office. This is lifetime warranty. Yeah. Oh yeah. And then like they would this get it there, radio. and they'd they be don't like, make them the way "Sorry, they dude. Used to. This thing had a great run. You literally had like, yeah. you have like great grandkids that are." <laughs> Now, like, I'm going to we to, can't repair this because we don't know how to repair something from we're, 1977. We're, we're going to, we're, we don't actually have access to components that will replicate that circuit, and we're really yeah. not in a position to reverse engineer it and yeah. cobble together some replacement parts. For but it seeing the amount, it was almost like it's almost like Sony makes electronics as like um, as almost like an amenity to everything else that they provide. It's something. It's like the casino. Uh, the Turning Stone Casino, the the golf department. Yeah. From when I, yeah. I worked at the casino, just to I attract had, people, I had a little bit of insight there. Yeah, so it was I, not a profit center. No, they lost. From uh, I had a friend that worked as a supervisor uh, at the the tennis side, but he did a lot of correlation with the golf department. The golf department itself lost five million dollars a year. But you want to know why they kept it is an amenity. You want to know why? Because yeah. when Alice Cooper comes around before he throws some black eye makeup on and sings. 
fucking teenage Frankenstein. Guess what? Old Coop Dog wants to hit the fucking nine holes mm-hmm. out there. And guess what? Dwight Freeney, when Dwight Freeney comes because he's Syracuse and, alum, he and, wants and to also, come and play. Also, that golf department, um, it, it can keep up stuff like like being on certain tours, right? Yes. Like like you're on the Nota Begay tour, you're on the PGA tour, and those events are supposed to be bringing people in. What's interesting, um, because I happen to work at that casino as well, and I worked more on the IT side, so we mm-hmm. got to see the numbers. Is it was almost it was almost no uptick, yeah, in actual casino like attendance and it's crazy but it's because these events are 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 five miles away at the nicest golf course Mm -hmm. those people aren't going to gamble when they're done they just spent all day watching a fucking pga event but it's got your name plastered all over it It exactly you know it's like it's recognition it's it's the advertisement essentially i mean it's the same you go to the amphitheater guess what you go to take a leak there's a huge turning stone casino casino uh billboard right Mm -hmm. at the bathrooms well you know you know what did get hit was the restaurants well, because the, the other oh, thing, yeah. the, they still oh, need to eat. Yeah. The food, other, the other thing anywhere. is that food, when we get out, well, like at, at some point, they uh, they came to the conclusion that they didn't want to pay for the PGA, but they would have PGA events if someone else was paying for it, and they haven't had much luck actually having that deal go through. But it, yeah, I remember when we were working there, Gunner and I were working there at the same time, and they issued a notification that anybody would be terminated if they mentioned anything about Tiger Woods because one of his affairs occurred there. Really? Yeah, and they said they what said if fucking, anybody mentioned his, anything his about him, affairs, like. yeah, because well, if you think about it, like if you think about it, there's housekeepers that watched it. I mean, they didn't watch the actual act, but they saw one person walk in a room and another person walk in a room. They saw the revolving Actually, door that they installed. We, we want to. Yeah, Gunner can't speak right now. We won't discuss right this now. on the podcast. Gunner can't speak. He's still. <laughs> Gunner's still. The mic's still Gunner's check is still being signed. Is this still? Is this still, is this still a uh, policy, Gunner? You can't. Okay. Well, fantastic. <laughs> Thanks, guys. So I, I know we kind of went off the deep end. Where we were when we started was was top five horror movies and yes. and the reason I want to get back there is because I have I know nothing about it. <laughs> but you're and gonna name a top five. What was man. your what was your okay, here here's a good way to kinda ease you in. Yeah. Get the tip in, if mm-hmm. you will. Yeah. What was the first horror movie that you remember seeing? That at least had some kind of impact where you're like, oh shit. So I would say, well, I would consider the first movie I sat down and I was like, okay, this is what a horror movie is. Um, it was it was Evil Dead, and I thought it was the stupidest fucking movie I had ever seen. How old I thought were it was you? terrible. Um, I don't know, probably thirty. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> I take that back. No, but I saw. I was probably I was probably a teenager. What was the first movie that scared you? Um, <clears throat> So the, the the ones that Besides scared me, Mrs. I wasn't Dalfine. aware at the time that they were horror, right? Because a lot of them were these P, these these PG, these PG versions of Stephen King stuff, right? So I saw Tommy Knockers. No, I will I, count. I yeah, would say I the series count, count, like the miniseries count. Yeah, well, I, they they count to you guys because you guys know Stephen King. Yeah, but I'm saying but, you can put those reflect in your top on, five. But you asked me to reflect on my childhood, right? So I'm answering Jesse's question about reflecting on my childhood. Gotcha. That's the first time that I saw a movie, and I was like, okay, this is just gore to it maybe it was more of just gore right mm-hmm. not even horror it didn't scare me so much is it was just gore i never had seen so much gore in one film we're talking just, about 
um, talking about um, Evil Dead. Evil Dead. Yeah. Bruce Are you talking Campbell about Dead. Evil Dead Two? Because that was no nope. far more gory. Yeah. No, I'm talking about the first one with okay. the weird plastic melting faces. Okay. It's so okay. stupid. Um, and I and I say that with love, right? Yeah. Because yeah, I do like Bruce Campbell as well. Hand went bad. Had to cut it off. That that was like the first gore that I saw. <laughs> um, previous go. to that, I wouldn't even say that I would have known horror existed. I mean, of course, there was Chucky and stuff like that. I don't know how old I was when I watched those. Um, but the question that I actually had for you guys, and this is why I said I kind of have more questions than I do answers because I'm I know nothing about the genre nothing um, I could probably hang out with with Sir BT for for a week and and I still might not be able to answer like the top five question right I could, right he, he could just be schooling me and we could be watching films and I wouldn't be able to answer the question but where do stuff like because um, because two films that, that really stand out to me that I've seen uh, that I, I can I, I can actually remember and I can recall scenes from um, which I don't even think are horror but uh, where would Shaun of the Dead fall into play comedy that is yeah it's uh, see. What genre is that? See, that's the thing too. Is it's a bender genre bender, right? Horror and 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 comedy often rub tips. They often dock, if you will, <laughs> um, because you look at Evil Dead too, like with the over like yeah. the crazy amount of blood and stuff. Yeah, yeah, that is hokey. It's it's a joke. Same thing with Lost Boys. Was two, which like one was Army of Darkness? Was that three? Three, three. Yes. Yeah. So in weird thing, like I was kind of surprised you said Evil Dead as well because Evil Dead two essentially is the same movie as Evil Dead, just with more gore and a little mm-hmm. more money. Right, mm-hmm. right. But like the first Evil Dead, and then I Army of Darkness went off scary. the went off the deep end. Right, they had like the CGI that they threw in there and stuff like that with like the walking the skeleton bones, stuff. Which was really kinda. weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was the second one. No, no, I'm th- Army of Darkness. I'm talking where they oh. actually like. Oh, like, you talk- oh, yeah, 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 skeleton yeah. Yeah. Like cool Ray Harryhausen. Yeah, <laughs> but but my knowledge is very limited. So so like Shaun of the Dead is it, that is, is something like, where it, it was almost zombie, like, but what, it wasn't really horror. It, it it is into an extent, but what what something like Shaun of the Dead is? That's Edgar Wright. Literally, that's a love letter to horror fans and a love letter to George Romero, mm-hmm. saying like, we love. Let's put Simon. That all of that whole Simon Pegg. Oh, yeah. Cricket, what do they call it? The the the. It's a kind of ice cream, but that 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 series of trilogies. Yeah, the, was him, the those genre hot films fuzz and, and, and all those. Yeah. Um, what that is though, that is a love letter. That's when like it was okay to t- kind of take the piss out of horror as long as you were doing it in. A way like that where it's a love letter to fans. Yeah, it's yeah, an artistic way. It wasn't yeah. just cheap shots. And another because one, and this one, I, I, I haven't met. I haven't met that many people. Like Shaun of the Dead, a lot of people have seen that movie, yes, right? Yes. Because it has the, the the comedy side. But another one is uh, Dead and Breakfast, which still has like that happy ring to yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Right. I mean, we're like, um, and 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 I hate to even to even mention it, but like like the band is a very important part of that movie mm-hmm. and you have to pay attention to the band throughout the movie yes. right? I, I can't say any more because it's so important I don't really want to talk about it um, just because it's a subtle detail that I've never seen in a movie before but like like with that type of movie that's a little bit more closer to the horror side but without a doubt is 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 totally um, it's more happy right yeah, it's more happy yeah. go lucky 100% and there's so many films like that where they're and, and, and they're films that wouldn't immediately come to your mind that are horror and comedy, but you can still consider them a horror film, but they're super campy well, in the with, 80s. Gremlins. 
yeah, Joe Dante's Gremlins. The original Gremlins. Yeah, what, yeah, what's another great, great So Christmas I program. just rewatched that, which is terrific, because I hadn't seen it since I was since I was it's fucking triple threat PS. <laughs> That's fucking horror, comedy, and uh, fucking Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Gremlins. Well, you know, I, mean, I guess maybe this is also like... Horror is such a big thing. Like, I'm thinking... You know, maybe this maybe this explains why I'm such a fucked up human being. Because like you know, you're talking about gremlins and stuff. I'm thinking about fucking Cronenberg movies, like fucking Videodrome with the stomach vagina. Oh yeah, and fucking scanners, like when the guy's fucking head explodes. Well, like, no, like, Robocop. I think there are definitely like well, ro- horror ro- elements ro- in Robocop. Robocop is Robo. I we, I did a commentary on Robocop too for our pl- podcast. Yeah, he, he, uh, Robocop is. There is a, a an extensive with everyone, including Red from fucking that '70s show, um, doing an, a RoboCop documentary now, um, and they're in the midst of uh, like filming it. And, oh my god, it's gonna be great! But RoboCop is amazing. RoboCop is so, a film that succeeds so, so in spite in, of itself so, because it just so it, dive it, in so, for, it's so much fucking layers to that to that so yeah. so for the layman like me and let's start if you don't mind i'm going to kind of divert the question like i said my que- your question to me is only going to come back with more questions because i i don't know this genre um about jesus walking on start with water start start with robocop and then i want you guys to talk to, to talk a little bit more details about about gremlins because gremlins is something that i just watched with my with my eight-year-old son now how did they were how were how did they receive it um so my, my, my five-year-old daughter left the room. She says, Dad, I'm going to have nightmares, right? Especially at the, the evil versions of the gremlins, right? right the ones right. that are all pointy There's and no, they're all, all gremlins are evil. You're talking about Mogwai? I'm talking about after they have evolved. Yeah, that's a gremlin, though. Before, it's a Mogwai. It's not a gremlin. Okay. See, this is why this is why I have to, this is why I don't like to talk. No, I'm just I'm, I'm the name of the movie is called Gremlins and it's got the fucking Mogwai in the cover, so it's bad. It's got the gremlin in the cover too. <laughs> no, okay, Gizmo. sorry, the Mogwai. Okay, wait, Gizmo. The gremlins the Mogwai. are yeah, the, the gremlins are evil. But anyways, um, yeah. So when the gremlins um, were on the screen, which now I know is the evolved version. When the gremlins were on the screen, uh, yeah, my daughter's like, I'm going to have nightmares, Daddy. I have to leave. And she ended up leaving and, and watching something else, like on the iPad or something like that. And my son watched it, and um, he enjoyed it. He really did enjoy it. I and mean, he's eight? He's eight, yeah. Okay. He sat down. He did enjoy it. Um, some of the things were completely inappropriate for an eight-year-old, right? And then this is, when was that? Was that 70s or 80s? It's 80s. 84. Yeah. 84. Yep. So, um, so in 84, there was still a lot of like acceptable sexism and chauvinism, oh, yeah, right? Definitely. Now, th- what's interesting is the humans didn't really portray any of this. I mean, you had like the dad and the dad role and the mom and the mom role, but whatever, right? I mean, it's, right. it's going to be forever. But the the gremlins themselves, right, with like the whistling and the, you know, the gambling. Oh, and yeah, the, the smoking. The pour me more scotch, the smoking, yeah. Like, like that, was, that was interesting because they actually... I never would have expected the monster in a film to be the bad influence on on social human behavior, right? Because that's what they're doing. They're mimicking the worst of what humans yeah, can be. Yeah, the, the, the degenerates of, yeah. of the world. And, and what's even crazier about that, which is what really makes it completely ridiculous, it's so ridiculous, is where the hell did they learn that? I mean, they learned that by watching the TV in the bar, 
You know, like, where did that's they the, learn that? But that's the that's where that's where when you you have to suspend. It's like uh-huh. watching professional wrestling. You have to suspend disbelief, mm-hmm. and and that's what a lot of people who are. I I don't know. Like maybe it's like a, a whimsical like childlike thing where like I'll watch a movie like I I love a movie called Sorority Babes and the Slimeball Bolorama with uh, Linnea Quigley and it's essentially about a, a, a uh, sorority girls who are like uh, hazing a couple of pledges and then there's a couple of uh, wannabe frat guy nerd guys that kind of sp- peer in the window and they all like say oh we're going to the bowling alley blah 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 not really a great plot or story they get there there's an imp aka a little like turd man that is a genie called uncle impy and they release him out of this bowling trophy and then he grants wishes and it's very like over the top and like stupid right but you suspend disbelief for the sake of entertainment. You know Hulk Hogan isn't hurt in the center of the ring. But you know he's going to get up and slam Andre. And that's going to be the end of the match. Suspending disbelief is what gives horror and sci-fi and any kind of film legs. You can suspend disbelief. Because here's what it boils down to. There aren't comedy conventions. There aren't drama conventions. Meryl Streep isn't signing 8 by 10 to the thing because people are like, drama is my life. I love the the genre of drama. No, no one gives a shit about drama. And guess what? Sure, there's super there's Titanic fans. I'm sure someone's got a Titanic beanie baby. But guess what? They aren't going to conventions with like scripts of Titanic to get signed. As great as an action or, or as great of a filmmaker as James Cameron is, you know what they're bringing to him? Terminator and fucking aliens. And it's because that is the source of entertainment. Entertain the entertainment business is about suspending disbelief. If someone's acting even if it's in a dramatic role, you're suspending disbelief that they're, you know, they're actually you're if if you try to think logically, like, okay, this is like you, you ever watch Grey's Anatomy? Every season, there's some catastrophic thing that happens every single season. People have been shot in the hospital. There's been plane crashes. There's been like doctors dying in the most insane ways. Some guy gets chopped up by a helicopter. Yeah, it's that was Vic Morrow in uh, by John Landis in the Twilight Zone movie. Jennifer Jason Leigh's father. You guys ever heard about that? No. So during the filming of the Twilight Zone, oh, we all know John yeah, Landis, yes, yes. The, the dude who America Wolf in he, London. Yeah, is that, that's the the one. The he's the, the bigot. Is that or am I the wrong thing here? That he might be. I know he's an asshole, but no. In the film, he's the, he's the, he plays the bigot. Is this the same one? Twilight Zone film. Maybe I'm mixing up the films. I know Dan Aykroyd's in it. Like this is that you want to see something really scary? Am I? You're talking about Twilight Zone the, the film? series? The film. The, the film. film, yes, okay. yes. Is, was Aykroyd in that? Yes. I thought he's, the, okay. he's okay. the ambulance driver. Yes. Yes. Want to see something really scary hey, yeah. and he hey, turns into the monster? want to see something really scary. And it's an anthology of films, right? Yes, yes. So extreme sidebar. Yeah. John Landis, who made America Werewolf in London. Have you ever seen that, Trace? No. Okay, so uh, like a quintessential werewolf film. Mm-hmm. Probably the werewolf film of all werewolf films. Well, it's effectively what set the modern... Because like before that, before that, before that, it was 
the Lon Chaney Wolfman. Wolfman. You know, th- this was the first one that kind, kind of brought that body horror. Rick thing Baker, into it. who is the most astute uh, effects person in the entire world, he did to give you a little insight of what he's done besides the first full-fledged transformation of a werewolf on film in 1981's American Werewolf in London. He did Jim Carrey's The Grinch makeup in the 2000, How the Crystal Stole Christmas. So that kind of shows you his range. Sure. But um, what the fuck were we talking about? So anyway, John Landis is like kind of a dickhead. Uh, Bring this helicopter lower. Uh, Vic Morrow, who was an actor... uh, Father Jennifer Jason Lee, who was uh, in Fast Times at Richmond High. You seen that one? Dude, you're older than me. That should change your life. I'm not a movie guy. You're not a movie guy at all. I, 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 yeah, I'm more of a TV show guy. So there's a lot of there's a lot of <laughs> a lot of TV that I've watched. Okay, okay. Yeah, Mark, a lot of series that I've watched. Micah did so. Yeah, two, so and I'm not in two kid extras. Yes, and two. Uh, and I'm not against movies. I watch movies that are recommended to me, especially yeah. if they're strongly recommended by multiple people. I do watch them, but it's tough because there's a back catalog, right? Right. There's it's so kind of like it's kind of like deciding it, 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 at the age of 50 that you're going to get into the Beatles, right? Exactly. You got to go back, um, you know, on, on a large back catalog, um, which I do like the Beatles, by the way. But uh, so, yeah, so we are starting with the suspension of disbelief yes. with Gremlins. And, and, I, and I get that. Like, I mean, I think we all have to suspend disbelief because because you got these guys, which are Mogwais and not Gremlins. And so you got these you got these Mogwai and they have these rules, right? And the water gets on them. I mean, yeah, of course. Like they lick themselves. Like they do they have saliva. Yeah, you have to suspend disbelief because because there's some there's some properties of them that if you were to get too technical, it wouldn't be a movie. Yeah, well, you would be you'd, fun. You'd plot hole it to death. Yeah. Right. But and the that's why token, they're catered to the younger audience. The choice as well. to the choice to make them these Human mimicking social creatures mm-hmm. was such a bizarre choice to me. Like to watch them decide that they're going to start gambling with chips on a table and smoking cigars and drinking whiskey is such a strange thing. It's like I just watched one eat a human five minutes earlier in the movie, <laughs> and now they're enjoying scotch and popcorn. Yeah. Like it is such yeah. a strange. You know what I mean? Like I'm but, okay suspending disbelief. That was just a very strange. Because they're choice. just like, listen, they're they've turned. They're like the rebellious. Like, but that's part of the horror, right? Like if it was just if they were just these mindless, like it would just be critters instead of. Right, if they were just rolling around just trying to hurt people, you got to make them, making them hokey, gambling and smoking cigars, that's going to make them funny to like a a 12 or 11, 12 year old. That part's correct. I can see that. That gives it appeal. So when they do these murders. They could slash tires. They could do other things. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? A lot of the other scenes, like where they're hanging from the lines and they're trying to break into the windows and stuff like that, and they're starting to be creative or they're hiding somewhere in like a cupboard or something. That type of stuff, that type of stuff makes more sense to me. But that other stuff is almost too campy for me. It's like, it's like, why would they have done that? Now, you're right, though. The 10-year-old, the 11-year-old, and the 12-year-old that's sitting there watching it, they that's don't care. That's the bread care. and butter for they're the like, film, though. They're like, oh, that shit, they're they... smoking in a bar. Yeah. Whoa. But they, yeah. need, like, they need that camp because it's just like a meal. Like You can't have just fat on fat on fat on fat. You need like an acid to cut it, right? Like you need something to cut it. If they were, you can do a film where it's just mindless gremlins, just killing people like bloodthirsty maniacs. But when you give them this other human element, 
and you see this other side to them where it's kind of they're like fucking hilarious because that bar scene where they're like flipping around <laughs> oh, and drinking yeah. beer and breaking glasses is fu- I'm laughing right now it's fucking hilarious but when they actually like murder people and they're still like fucking around and joking it's kind of like you've identified with this thing a little bit and you've come and it's drawn you closer to it to be able to identify with it but then when it turns on a dime and it kills you it's that much more scary. Well, and actually, this gets kind of back in... Um, there was a documentary series a while back the BBC did, and it was basically just on the nature of comedy, you know, and it's, they're talking with a bunch of different comics. But it's like they, like Eric Idle was um, doing his bit on it, and it's like... I think the, 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 thing I got the, the thing I got the most from it was this idea that effectively comedy is a betrayal of expectation. That's what makes a joke work. And horror, I think, has, you know, that's where you get the comedy and horror thing that they go so well together is that, that idea that, like... They kind of play you're, off you're, the same... Yes, because you're... It's it's the, it's this... I don't know. It, it, like, you know, you, the, joke, the joke... Laughter is basically, like, almost a conditioned response to... You've betrayed the, punchline the social... The, kill. The, so, the social The social contract. The punchline is the kill. Yes. And... Horror is kind of the same way, where it's like you are in control. You're in control. Oh fuck! Things have not gone. You know, right? Like, That's you, definitely a massive part of it. Because when we were talking, like, to jump off of Gremlins and into RoboCop, like, why RoboCop is so different from so many different films before it? RoboCop, for all intents and purposes, when you think about RoboCop, you think of oh, it's an action film, maybe a little sci-fi because it's like a you know cybernetic guy. But the opening scene of RoboCop and the outlying like theme and setting is so dystopian and so fucking oh, yeah. warped. It is horror. So like, I'm, I'm glad you brought us back to RoboCop because that was the other one, right? Gremlins I wanted to beat up and we did. RoboCop's the other one. Now, I haven't seen RoboCop in a long time. Mm-hmm. I'm sure I'm not the only one. I'm sure we got listeners that haven't seen that haven't seen it in a long time. And not the remake. Although the remake has its own fucking it weird does. fucking... It has its moments. Yeah. Rewind, play Fucked us the up picture. body horror shit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> if you don't mind, rewind, play us the picture, um, and then and then kind of explain to, to a layman like me what throws that... What would throw that into a horror genre? Two things that I think of when I think of Robocop. And the first two films are the ones I'm going to reference because as far as I'm concerned, there are, there are moments in three, but they're more campy and funny. It's not very good. One and two. The first thing I'm going to remember, I, I reference when I think of RoboCop that I say this is a fucking horror film, not necessarily just an action film, is when you have so you have two police officers. It's set in Detroit, this dystopian kind of future. Corporations run everything. Everyone's fucking poor. Crime is crazy. And it really is kind of you like have the no buy in from police officers, like to really truly get the job done and to serve and protect. They are literally worried about themselves. They're, the last thing they're worried about is protecting any civilians. Yeah, they're just like, get in there. Essentially, it's come out of modern day Mexico, then. No, just kidding. No, I, I mean, essentially, it's like Detroit is like we, everyone jokes Detroit's a war zone, but like in Robocop, Detroit is a fucking war zone. Mm-hmm. So you have these two cops, you know, they're very clean cut, both, you know, I don't. I definitely think like they're both like two Caucasian people. You know what I mean? Like just very cookie cutter, campy. They're the good guys. It is clear they are the good guys. And then you have Red Foreman from that '70s show as like the leader of the bad guys, and they execute the guy that will eventually become RoboCop in this fucking like. It is probably it's one of in, in rewatching at the beginning of this year, and mm-hmm. I did a commentary with it with a friend of mine mm-hmm. um, for the podcast, and it was. 
it, every time I watch the film, it gets more and more clear to me that it is it because it has the cybernetic, uh, you know, police officer thing to it. It'll constantly get lumped into horror and Terminator the same way. They still tightrope walk the horror genre mm-hmm. because the the scene of RoboCop, you know, uh, you know, the officer that would become RoboCop getting killed is so graphic and it's the special effects that really make it tight rope walk that because then you have a toxic waste dump on the one dude oh yes and his face is melting off and it, it, it the effect when you, you throw in makeup like effects into an action film you're really like teetering on you know like Harkening back to Lon Chaney, you know the makeup effects in that. You know what I mean? That's horror. And the second, like one in RoboCop Two, this is just like a scene. I and I, I don't know why I want to say it's horror to me because it was horrifying where they split the guy open. Like, oh from, yeah, like it's also kind of a beginning scene. I think well, RoboCop Two is like full, like, and that's not that's the toned down version because I don't know if you know the whole story for that. No. Frank Miller actually originally wrote the script for yeah. that film. And they put the kibosh on it because it was too, it was like fucking too out there. So the one RoboCop, you know, like a, they got this fucking brain floating in a jar and everything like that. That's the toned down version of it because the whole thing, like where they the RoboCop gets reprogrammed, so he has like the thousands of counter directives. The Frank Miller version of that story, they literally fucking put electrodes in his brain to trigger like unending agony so the computer would be supervising him and torturing him if it didn't comply if he didn't comply with you know and actually they kind of they kind of touched on that in the remake where it's like it's the illusion you know you have the illusion that he's he can't even tell you that he's in pain like the computer is actually like fucking hiding that fact from his co-workers right and it's just fuck but yeah it's like it's the illusion of free will because as far as you're concerned you know, as far as the outside observer's concerned, everything's like kosher. He's just acting right. weird. The, re- the reboot did a really good job in that scene. So, Trace, I'll explain to you what happens. In the reboot, uh, he gets targeted by like a gang or something like that. Blow, they blow his car up in the in the, his front lawn. He goes to this special facility where they're going to rebuild him or whatever. So he's in the RoboCop suit. He's in. You, you've seen, like, at least you know what it kind of looks like with the face shield and the, yeah. the body armor and stuff. So they he's programmed and he's sitting there. And he's like, I don't want to fucking be here. Get me out of here. So his brain is kind of feeling, is it all connected? Like, it feels weird to him. It feels cold to him. Like, get me out of this. Get me out of this. Fucking get me out of this. So they strip away everything. And, dude, it's his, like, brain, half his face, his heart, and, a, and one lung just suspended. Sure. And his trachea. Sure. And his trachea. And and part of his spinal column. And that's all it is. And and that, that was pretty scary. I was like, it's that... It was shocking, and it's funny because people like people hate to hate, like like we were saying, they hate on like reboots, remakes, just to hate on them. But that one did good into really diving in because in the original Murphy, you can kind of you felt like you felt for him. This poor guy gets killed. He's, he's just told- trying to like be a good cop, and and then he gets you know he gets taken out by the you know the dystopian street gang leaders, and. What the remake did, they really broke it down back into something simpler, a human piece. You have a corporation that is now in control of you. Sure. What's left of you. It's a God complex film is what it is. Right. And it's saying, you're going to do what we want you to do. You no longer have control, even though like 
part of you mm-hmm. is still, you know, that is like the that's everyone's. I mean, it, it's never talked it's, about. It's, it's it's a fear that that that's growing stronger as as time goes on. Oh yeah, it's, it, it, it's more relevant to us now than it than it ever exactly. has been. Exactly. Uh, so, I got a couple of other weird ones that I want to throw out there. So number one is, um, how is the horror? How does the horror? Um, I, I guess I'll say community for lack of better word. No, no, that's a great word. The horror, that's what horror it is. community perceives something. Um, first of all, I'm going to throw one out there, like Saw. Okay, how do they perceive that? Because that's one of that's one of the scariest movies that I've seen in my adult life, and I remember watching that in the theater. And I remember being scared shitless. Like I have never been, I've never watched a movie and felt so fucking scared for the protagonist as I did in Saw. And I know it's a cliche, right? And then they had so many other ones which diluted the the original movie. But like, how does it perceive a a movie like that? Does it, do they, do they, do they love to hate it just because it's new? It's, you'll go through waves and... I wish I I had some older um, fellow horror people who were literally like in their teens in mm-hmm. the middle middle of the eighties when they saw all these because I think people what would we, BT say we had like here's the thing it goes in waves I think there was a time period where everyone hated on the Friday the Thirteenth and the Nightmare on Elm Street sure. sequels. Sure, fuck those things; they aren't as good as the original. But when Saw came out, changed the game, created the torture porn, quote yeah. unquote. Yeah. you know the gore aspect and the psychological mm-hmm. fuckery that goes on with making a horror film, and they brought it back to something he carnal. Was in the room Even, the entire time. Uh, yeah, like a um, like a. <laughs> And people can say what they want, and a lot of horror fans are like, "Fuck that! That's mainstream horror. That's bullshit. Yeah. That's studio horror." My even rebuttal hostile. is even Hostel. I thought was interesting, and with Hostel, like the details of those kids robbing the fucking adults for candy was such an interesting detail that I felt that they were throwing in there. Now I, I realized that falls right down whatever you what did you call it torture porn? Or yeah, something? yeah, that's what it's. That's like kind of the tongue in cheek genre for the the Hostel, the Saw movies, you know, where it's mm-hmm. all about like over the top gore, yeah, kind of. The same kind of situation. It's and it's less. It's it's and none of those films of the torture porn you know subgenre are not about like it's not about like Evil Dead Two when there's seventeen gallons of blood dropping on Ash's head. It that's like oh my god, look at all that blood. This is fucking hilarious. Those are more serious. Like oh shit, did you see what they did? They just cut that motherfucker's yeah. leg off. Well, because like so like um you know we did a podcast with with a Godzilla fan right. Mm-hmm. When I remember how excited she was when Pacific Rim came out, right? And Pacific Rim was just like, like it was just a big monster premise, right? It didn't really have anything to do with Godzilla, but she was so excited about it coming out. Now, to that case, maybe they do, uh, to that point, maybe they do more justice to the original genre, when like Pacific Rim comes out, maybe they do more justice and they don't go, um, they don't go too cheap. Right, they don't mm-hmm. like you called it like like the torture porn where they they almost they almost go so extreme right with the with the the footage 
that that there's no choice but to scare somebody because because right. you're observing something in such detail. Um, so maybe that's maybe that's a bad analogy. Um, but like, what if I were to take it the, the 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 question more towards like like the ring? Like, where would that fall? Japanese ghost stories because like well, that's Jap- its own Japanese subgenre. Kind of a, you know, oh you know, yeah, that's between, a genre in and of fun. itself. And so that, does that even, even touch like, horror or no? Oh yeah, absolutely. It, it definitely does. But yeah. there's so many. Like something like Saw, I think you'll still. I think you have to wait another 10, 15, possibly even twenty years before I think it gets the respect that it's due. Sure. Because it did completely create and launch. It launched. Stop saying that. It, You're a spoiler. It, it launched. It launched. Um, Lee Wynell, who was the the kid in the room with Carrie Ells, um, it launched his career and James Wan's career, who they both wrote, directed, produced. The Insidious movies, um, the Conjuring movies, it launched their entire career and they spanned into the poltergeisty uh, possession, possession yeah. type films after, you know, torture porn kind of ran its course. But that film is something I saw, went and saw a 10 year anniversary of that film in 2014 as well, right? Locally mm-hmm. at the Glenwood Movieplex. And of which had, one? The- the original saw. So the original saw. So on its tenth anniversary, and it was kind of wild because I remember when it came out in two thousand four. I was, mm-hmm. a, you know, a sophomore or a, a junior in high school, and I remember going to see that and I'm being like, "Oh shit, we just got like a, a pretty badass horror film released in theaters. Like that's how, great." How was it rewatching it? It it stands up one hundred percent, and I think in twenty years it's gonna be it's gonna be a classic. But it's one of those things where it kind of has the torture porn uh, tie in, and I think a lot of critics are like, they're like, ugh, you know, they're too gross. They were too grossed out about it then. And I think they deluded themselves because you know with with that little mask guy, what's that thing called? Jigsaw. Jigsaw. Jigsaw, Yeah, and it's the antagonist of it. Yeah, Yeah, the antagonist that that Jigsaw character has has become extremely. uh, pop culture so he just oh, yeah. shows up right like he'll just show up like if somebody's doing a youtube video they'll, they'll just pop he's been so diluted well, right you know, but part, no part, longer part attached of, part to the, the original fear part of the premise of that too if they you know and whether you, you can ask whether it's been kind of clumsy or not because it's i don't think this i don't think saw has been done saw is not like child's play where it's been done by the same guy right no, they had someone new come on just about every time. Because um, I, I'm almost thinking, like, if, if, if it had been done smart, the Jigsaw puppet would have effectively been, like, Pai Mei in the old, like, like uh, 70s Chinese kung fu movies, where it's, like, it's the same character, but... The bit of it is, is that, like, you know, like, it's, it's, it's almost like a role. It's like, there's always, there's always, there's always the gunslinger or something like that, you know? It, it, there was... The thing is, is that's a perfect example of those the the movies that they just kept pumping out sequels for Friday Thirteenth, Nightmare on Elm Street. It worked again with Saw. You want to know why? Because they low budget and people were still sure. going to come out. And guess what? Even if the first one made however much it did, okay, well we're, we're going to keep the budget the same for the second one or increase it by five, six, seven million, and we know it's still going to make seven or eight times it's money because there's still people want to feel and even if you're like sick of it like okay like i don't want to see like no one's going to be like anybody who's really like enamored by that they aren't they aren't like 
oh, I'm not going to go see Saw 6. It's the same shit. Guess what? They might not go see it in theaters, but when it hits Redbox, they're watching yeah. it. When it hits Netflix, they're watching it. You want to know why? Because you're sitting around one night and you're saying, oh, I haven't watched any of those. I haven't watched any of those in a long time. Well, where'd you leave off? Three. Okay, we'll watch We'll watch four or five, and then we'll watch the new one, six, you know? And that's how it is, and it's never-ending. And people aren't going back like, oh, man, do you want to go watch Beaches with Bette Midler? Like, no, no no one's like, that's not like a deep cut. Fi- Someone's like, what about the Fisher King? So, yeah. so I guess maybe here's the flip side of that. You have endless sequels. What about movies that have infinite cuts? Like Serbian film, where they keep like making more and more fucking see like directors. That, see that to me is like the sh- the over the top shock movie that goes past that you know that goes past uh, torture porn that's just made to offend um, and just for the sake of like oh man human centipede are we all familiar yeah yeah I've never watched you it don't. but I know the references yeah um, thanks to South Park. <laughs> You don't, like, that's the thing. Like, those movies are, like, I watched the first Human Centipede, and I was just like, all right, like, what are you, like, what are you really the saying? No one's the yeah, only there's one no, left there's alive. No, I think what, like, separates um, good horror from just over-the-top garbage is, like, do you actually want to provoke some thought here? Or are you really just here? And it's okay this, if you want to pack the gore in. This back to that betrayal of expectation. Yeah, and, and if you want to... If you're gonna have, if you're gonna provoke thought, provoke thought, and then there's some movies that literally that are like the Shaun of the Dead, they're not really provoking thought. They're a love letter to the George Romero zombie films, mm-hmm. and that's pretty much it. And and you, it is what it is, and it doesn't posture as anything else. But you look at films, real horror films that are like startling on different levels. For instance, it like Serbian film was made to. Made to offend. It wasn't made for any kind of artistic value. Someone, someone will try to push it off as it was made for some artistic. That's value. A good, that's a really, really deep cut. Look, I've never seen it, but I've heard of it. I it's know what it is. It's over the top for the sake of being over yeah. the top, and it's. It, it, I guess so. You know, like Shaun of the Dead's weird because it's effectively planes, trains, and automobiles with zombie with 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 a zombie set piece. I like that analogy. I dig that. You know, I like, like that. It's it's the way the way it's framed, everything like that. You know, and oh, it, yeah. it's, it's it's this. I'm your buddy, but I can't like I'm Thanksgiving trying... movie on Thanksgiving Eve. Yeah. I like the reference. What? <laughs> so, what about the genre of these like detective movies? Right, these scary, scary, scary detective movies. Where total, do they fall in the total, mix? Right, total so, like total like, horror, but they will never be passed off as such because if like you said. Yeah, exactly. One, weird, seven, one hundred percent a horror film, and that is obviously one hundred. It's one of the, the most grotesque. Right. Yeah, it's one of the most grotesque movies oh, I've yeah. ever seen. And and that you know what that does without with being that over the top and being that in your face and and blatant and blunt and and fuck you. Guess what? Seven deadly sins, greed, gluttony. You're passing off a message. Like, are you gluttonous? Are you greedy? Like maybe you should rethink, and and Saw provokes the same thing. Uh, like how, how much True do you Detective. value life? Not season two, but season one of True Detective. Like, have you seen that? Yes, yes. That reminds me a lot of that seven. Oh, where, definitely, yeah, they're right, definitely. Where they're kind of it's detective, but they're really chasing something that is the the anticipation of how scary it is is 
it just it turns your stomach. I'd say probably down. the best uh, best one I can think of all time, like horror slash detective, Silence of the Lambs. Like, Silence of the Lambs, yeah. Jesus. See, you know, it's funny. I'm not a huge Silence of the Lambs fan, really? and okay. it's not. Uh, credit to Anthony Hopkins because he's an amazing actor, and I think he was only on screen, I think, for something crazy like four and a half minutes or something wild. Yeah, they like wouldn't that. shock me, yeah. Um, but that just just goes to show you how captivating he is as, as an actor and how well he can pull that off, and also pull off Van Helsing and Bram Stoker's Dracula. He's amazing in that too. Um, but yeah, people love that film. It just wasn't my take, and I've tried to get a lot better. At, if I don't like something other than like a Serbian film, which I, I literally I can't, I don't even advise you to watch it because one, it's a waste of time, and I don't think it adds anything. You won't even be able to constructively criticize it at all. You know what it, I want it, to say? It, like, it, it, it will leave you with fucked up ideas with no benefit on the reflection of human human bam. nature and the the, refle- the the futility of our existence. Like Trace, the best like the best way I could describe it, I'd yeah. say, is an analogy. It's like our gummo. Like we watched it. Oh, actually, that 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 dude who's that director, he's done a lot of fuck. Like, but it's, bully, but it's, but it's yeah. horror, he, so it's gross. It's right. horror, so it's up. like super gross. But like Gummo, like was interesting because there wasn't much out it, and you didn't even know really what it was. It was just this weird movie, and we all thought it was great. Like when we were in our twenties or whatever. But like, I don't want to go back and watch Gummo now because I know what it is already, and it's kind of a piece of shit. Like, there's some things that we're nostalgic about because we well, made references to it. Yeah, it wasn't a good film, but it's not a good movie. It's not a good film. Well, but you know, but it's also like. Sometimes it's sometimes you just don't get the way somebody's telling a story. Like maybe this maybe this is a cop out. Just because you don't get a you don't get a film or you don't get a book doesn't mean it's necessarily good or bad. Yeah, I think what Wade, no, it's all preference. Yeah, it's all preference. Like, you know, Wade's Gummo like, reference, I like though because with the Gummo reference, Gummo was. Uh, so Gummo is. A, the, the, I don't know if you've seen Gummo, but heard tons about it. And never the, watched. The premise it. is is that this 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 city is very depressed after a tornado has come through, and it's really just about the lives of these kids that don't really have. This a is mid around. to late nineties. This movie came out right mid nineties, early to mid nineties. Yeah, yeah. But in reality, it doesn't paint any picture. It's just awkward scenes of these kids. You make sure somebody doesn't take your coffee there, Gunner. I'm just making sure my pen works. Um, <laughs> it's just awkward scenes of these of these kids. Like like one of them, the kid is eating spaghetti in a bathtub. Like it's it's really really strange, and it's um it's a uh, uh what's it what's the the director's name um uh Harmony Corinne, I think is the name, um who I believe might have done kids. I might be off okay, on that. Okay. Right. So, so it's it's one of those like kind of more on the experimental side. At the time, though, we hadn't seen anything like it, so it was right. the best thing we could watch. Right. right? It, it, it it so the, when Wade used that as a reference to me because he knew that I at one point in my life thought that that was a like a, like a film everybody should watch. Now, if I play it to somebody, they're like, "What the fuck is this?" Yeah. It's essentially you're just you're riding shotgun. Um, through this neighborhood and it I, I it's just it's it's like essentially like if there was an underlying story it's like man uh we were devastated by this storm we never recovered and maybe the storm should have just taken us all and killed yeah. everything here anyway because it's just like it's almost like that in these like, like in seven the sloth mm-hmm. you know how it's like they they, they shine light and then he's, uh, he's dying or whatever yeah 
that is essentially what Gummo is. This town is that guy. Like, that is just dying but won't die. And it's just everything there is shitty and super depressing and grotesque almost, it borders on. Um, and depraved. But it's like at the same time, it's not. It's not very like it doesn't. It's not it doesn't. It doesn't come together and and paint a picture at the end. No, it it's, it's literally. It's it's definitely well, a piece but, of art artwork where it's just there to invoke emotion. But I mean, like you know, and but part of that setting too, I guess, like because he gets into the you want to get into hoity toity, stare at your own belly button kind of shit. But it's it, it's a. I thought part of that pacing was effectively because it's describing. It, it's it's the narrative equivalent of describing the fallout from a tornado itself. It's just fucking stuff is spread everywhere. There's no fucking, you know, like you know you know where it came from, but you have no idea where it's gonna go back to. Kind of, it, 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 it's it's just the bits are all fucking scattered, and it doesn't make any sense because it's just that's 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 the that's the nature of the uh, the, the the force that you're dealing with. Sure, and I. And like the tornado is kind of a to me the plot was an excuse to just make some strange scenes like like one of them he has a mentally retarded um, uh, a woman standing outside of a uh, I would say like an eighties a boxy eighties automobile with the door open and the subwoofers are slamming and she's talking about how much she loves cherries okay it's like he was able to put all of those things into a scene and the only premise he needed was the whole town's fucked up. Right, it's cool. It's it's art. It's definitely art, you know. But to me, it's more of like a performance art than it is an actual movie. Yeah. there is no plot. It's There's not right. absolutely. Right. No it's plot. not really even a story. It's just a it's a piece of art. Like the best way I could describe it is yeah. yeah. It's just like a. 50 and I, and to I shouldn't say it's bad. Million. I mean, he is the guy, and I did look him up. He is definitely the guy that did kids. Um, it, so I, I I hate I hate to say that it's bad, right? Because the guy's done some very nice uh uh um movies. But uh, but yeah. So I think, and I, I was afraid this was going to happen. I was I was also happy because you came to me for my top five. My top five were just questions back to you. I didn't give Wade or Gunner a chance to answer this question. So right. Okay, Gunner, do you want to go first, or do you need to th- time to think? Well, no. I mean, like, again, it's uh, a quarter mass in the pit. Uh, the thing's going to be in there. Um, I mean, Cronenberg scanners is like the fucking. Is like the quintess scanners or the fly. It's a toss up between the two of them. Is my favorite Cronenberg body horror. Cronenberg's film. a little bit of uh, I mean the brute, unsung in the, the horror realm. Not completely now, but when you hear about the big the big directors in horror, you hear the Wes Cravens, the Carpenters, the Hoopers, Romero. Cronenberg is kind of on the outside looking in a lot, but I mean he has done. Like Scanners alone in my book, like which one was Scanners? Scanners is the one with Michael Ironside, uh, the dude from The Prisoner, whose name I can't remember because I'm a fucking I'm, I'm a fucking poser. But uh, <laughs> what was the premise? Oh no! So, so effectively, uh, well, yeah, spoilers. So the premise is that uh, this company had developed this uh, painkiller. Or it was, it was a it was an aid for women when they were in pregnancy, mm-hmm. and it was this take on it had come out right after uh, was it the Mirasol the the one that caused the the deformities in thalamide or thalamide Thal- thalamide yeah. that's it. So, um, but the premise is that they'd come out with this drug to uh, aid women during pregnancy, 
And what it did is that uh, when fetuses were exposed to it during development, it caused them to develop psychic powers. And, you know, kind of the one, uh, the main two characters there, yeah, spoilers, uh, the main two, the main character, the main protagonist, and the main antagonist are actually brothers and the son of the doctor who had originally developed this drug because their mother had the highest exposed dose of it. And the thing is, is that, yeah, scanners effectively can uh, connect to any uh, thinking system. So, like, you know, there's one thing where they're ha- the guy's actually hacking a fucking mainframe over a phone. But, yeah, it, it's it's more famous for the, the Daily Show uh, clip of the guy's head fucking exploding <laughs> when they're fucking scanning. And it was... So, they did a full latex upper body of of a guy and filled his head with gallons of blood. Mm-hmm. So, when it explodes, uh-huh. you see, you know, the fake brain matter and yeah. just, like... And they show, you'll see, you can see like videos of it in slow motion and it literally, it looks, it's one of the most beautiful mm-hmm. like kills in a movie ever. It was just so well done. So you got three, Gunner. Well, again, so again, that, um, I mean like, horror, um, yeah, we're going back, we're, we're going weird here. Um, that's, yeah, Cronenberg. Spice or World. Bit Spice World. No, um, <laughs> I don't know. Like the Johnny fucking. Come back? The weird, I think Jesse the weird, made the it weird to three. Fuck, I think the weird, he could only weird make it fucking, to three. Ho- was it Howling Two? The one with fucking Christopher Lee in it? Yes. Like just, Howling. just Howling Two over Howling. <sighs> Howling, Howling is a better film. Howling Two was just kind of like this weird. I don't know how you put it. Can you can you be a tribute film without actually being tongue in cheek? Yeah, you know, I like mean, the I, Howling I really, is another I'm, one. Is I'm just really, uh, I'm just really glad I'm you know like cause ama- oh my god! If you want to just get it, anybody ever get hard here over werewolves ever, I do. Um, well, the, the, the whole, so listen, point, holy whole... shit! You'll split the scene. Wait, your Levi's it. watching yeah. the transformation scene in the Howling yeah. too. The Howling, another one, early early '80s. That's Joe Dante who did the Gremlins. Um, also, Inner Space. If you've seen that one, I haven't seen Inner Space with uh, uh, Quaid. Uh, no, no, wait. You, I think you'd like that one. Also, I know we talked about. I, I didn't. I forgot to punch this in. Um, Fast Times at Richmond High. So you know the the gal in Gremlins, Phoebe, Phoebe Cates? Cates. Yeah. She her scene in Fast Times at Richmond High. Dude, with, like, Trace, the if you have to watch playing, any movie, stereo, you have you you have it's the you, one of the most iconic. You film have to watch Fast Times at Richmond High. It, it will it your you know, I always now, liked you Brad 37 you're 37 it will from the moment you watch that on you will smile daily every time you think of about three or four scenes yeah mainly yeah, one yeah, with yeah, a bagel yeah. and a waistband so you didn't pick two more while we are talking um well I, I, I'm, 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 I mean like Tetsuo the Iron Man that's fucking that's fucking up there I mean like again like I I don't know I'm not I'm not, I'm not, yeah, I'm not trying to be hipstery, but it's like, I'm, I just, I didn't really dig a lot of the, I wasn't, I wasn't in the pop schlock, because it, it's also like, mm-hmm. I got sheltered from a lot of that stuff when I was gr- growing up, I mean, like, you know, but I take that back as I fucking saw a video drum when I was fucking, like, nine, so yeah. you don't really, a vagina stomach, uh, yeah, the fucking howling really and again modern horror i mean like 
the tattoo of the Iron Man. Um, if I mean, you like, want, you can just whisper into the microphone. Yeah. As I'm, as I'm fucking, as I'm fucking talking, <laughs> talking away. His, like face. I don't know. I mean, like, guy um, away from his gutters, fucking mic. Gutters hanging from the ceiling fan right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Look at it. I like what the fuck. It's four. Is a I good am list. I fucking pulling teeth here. No. Well, I mean, it's like. <laughs> And again, it's 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 like because I guess it's also like a question of what you what you constitute as horror. Because even like a quarter, you know, like I guess like even that Robocop's like, in so Robocop's in there, but Robocop's it's Robocop's its own like Robocop is like it kind of it's a it's a niche film. It kind of carves its own way, and it's it, it it's it's layers upon layers, and the sum of it it's greater than the sum of its parts because it's it's it's. You know, and you know, Verhoeven goes off on this whole like fucking. It's the Jesus story, and da, 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 da. I got a question: How does Walking Dead fall into stuff like this? Would that be considered horror? Oh it's yeah, definitely 100%. horror. It, because I'll more... tell you that first that first episode of Walking Dead is one of the best. Because I, I say I watch a lot of TV shows. That's something that I do watch. I even started watching Fear the Walking Dead for a few seasons. Mm-hmm. Um, although I haven't been keeping up on that. But that that first episode is one of the best TV series. Um, pilots I've ever seen in my life. Dude, are such definitely. a good. My pilot. opinion on why it is because that's the only episode that essentially is frame for frame identical to the comic. Yeah, like the rest of it, they change dramatically. Yeah. quite a bit. I was a big fan of the comic and I liked the show for the first three or four seasons, and I mm-hmm. can't take it anymore. But like that first episode, I that, mean, a good portion of the, especially the opening, like the first like fifteen minutes, oh, that's yeah. like. Frame for frame, when, the comic, and and that that is, I think, what everyone wanted for years. What they wanted, zombie apocalypse film, or in this case, yeah. wasn't a film. They just you been waiting to for do it. a TV show because it turned into again, as as I've mentioned before, human piece. It's not the yeah. zombies are background noise. Right. Yeah, you know, it's all about. Yeah, you don't have humanity. to. Well, you yeah, don't have we, to fear the zombies. You have to fear mm-hmm. your fellow man. Yeah, we, the, the, we all are the Walking Dead. Yeah, but uh, but I thought I thought like World War Z did a really good job too. Yeah, that was surprisingly entertaining. Yeah. I, I surprisingly I liked that, and that was something I watched just out of boredom, and I was just like, I eh, will check it out. I'm sure it's dog shit, and I was like, oh shit, it wasn't dog shit. It was decent. I liked it. But wait, what are your? What's well, your? I, you said now. So I was, I was, I was, I was gonna, I was gonna say, like, yeah. As I'm looking for judgment, like Spice World. No, I'm thinking Event Horizon. Ooh, I like it, Gunner. I really like it. Underrated, in my opinion. That is, again, these are. That's the thing when when people try to segregate sci-fi and horror. They're, they I mean, dance like with alien, each other. Really like, I, mean? I mean, like aliens. Aliens is the fucking quintessential. But he talked about that. On, I, yeah, I love on, aliens, but like, is that really a horror movie? Well, no. The, no, al- al- no al- aliens is full on body. Like you're actually watching a fucking guy getting digested oh, on the fucking yeah. wall. You guys explain why it really is horror. Um, on your podcast, uh, yeah, Jessie. especially the first one, like is. how oh, she's yeah. trapped, alien, alien, yeah, absolutely, yeah, how she's trapped, and um, and it's really just her inside the ship. Yeah, it's an isolation, you know. It's uh, it's not really. They don't. It's it's in it's in a sci-fi. Um, it's in a sci-fi scenario. When you can when you can take the setting and make the setting a character space. Yeah. You've you've captured what you need to do to make a successful film that provides suspense horror and keeps you engaged allows you to suspend your disbelief 
Um, it's just, I, Al- I mean, Aliens is structured very well on this whole premise of like the the show don't tell. Like yeah, you don't, yes, you don't, you, exactly. like you, the less you they're, see they're, of it, they the went, better off. They said, "Listen, we told the slow burn." Like, and one of my top five is is a perfect example. Of yeah, that. they said, "Here is our big dick action film," and it also has aliens in it, and you know, androids exploding, and and, and you're not going to see a whole lot of the aliens. You know what I mean? Exactly. So my top five, The Exorcist. Well, yeah, Pazuzu. Um, I shouldn't say his name. You call you come. Jaws. Which is where I think, like, you don't see... Jaws is just... I saw Jaws at a very young age, and it was fucking terrifying. Jaws is a film that works in spite of itself. Yeah. Because, like, that whole the whole, the whole fact that the shark, like, that fucking mechanical shark fuck them, they, you know, it's, it's the Anthony Hopkins thing. Yeah. It's like the, the big fucking, the big, you don't deal with the monster for, unless, exactly. like, maybe four it, minutes. The, the anticipation for him becomes the catalyst of what makes the film great and the, the alien plays the same way it's the waiting mm-hmm. till you see it so does let's go and it's got bilbo baggins being a bad guy that it does uh the original evil dead um because that was i saw that at a pretty young age too and God, the Deadites just were super creepy, like in the voice and stuff. Oh, like yeah. it's just, it's really like kind of stuck with me and freaked me the hell out. And, well, that, I guess Sam Sam Raimi, that whole fucking the, the whole the whole fucking swoop cam close to the ground effect. I mean, like yeah. I, I don't oh, actually yeah. know if I'm not actually sure if that was cribbed from somewhere. If that actually is the first fucking use of that technique, because that that's kind of like it's like you know like. Because even that, like, there's you talk like just the way that the ca- you know like you get a fucking film auteur stuff, like just how the camera is used to fucking isolate people and stuff is is, is super important in the you know it's like it's like fucking uh, Sergio Leone, yeah, and you know like just how 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 you would put a scene together, but like because you can have the same premise and the fucking movie falls entirely flat yeah. because you just it, it's it's we are standing we are watching this we are watching two people falling in space. Yeah, but it, it, it's you know you the aliens is alien you know like Ridley, Ridley Scott just that that, that that fucking that that fucking how he frames stuff. It's he he tapped into something that was just it's it's still we're you know it's look at how many years it is later. Well, like, we just we want more, and it's like we it can't be done. Like we've yeah. talked about this, why Jesus, can somebody please just make a good, really good fucking aliens video game? But it's just it can't be recreated. I don't care what they do it, they just can't recreate it. Like yeah. I don't think we'll ever see another aliens film. It's that Well, I and I did like I did like Prometheus, which played as a prequel, and I did like Covenant, and that's just because a lot of these films are like pizza. Yeah, it's right. guess what? It could be fucking Elio's. It's still it's still pizza. It's still fucking right. pizza. And I, and I and I'm with you on that. Well, like I like those films too, but I didn't love them. And I think no, the you know the the originals, Alien, you know the original Nightmare on Elm Street. Those will always hold a special place, like above the rest, just because they were the the founders. Yeah, right. Night of the Living Dead is in my top five rotation. Um for a fifth, 
God, there's so. I mean, I have to go with Alien because I revere the series so yeah. much, and it's an amazing horror film. Um, of the of that franchise, Aliens is my favorite, but Alien is. Alien, I 100 yeah. percent agree with that. I'm I'm an Aliens guy, and but every time I watch Alien, I think I get a, a new respect for what it creates, and it is like you see like, and that's interesting because you have an android, and you're seeing how an android works under you know a guided. Of what he needs to do, what his show, mission, mission yeah, is. It's the it's the show. Don't tell. Like, yeah. There's this whole there's this whole fucking secondary story going on in the background with mother and fucking yeah. Ash. Yeah. And it adds like this. It just makes Wayland it even Jutani. more like insidious. And it's, like it just twists it even further. Like not, it was scary enough that this like alien life form is now on this confined space where we can't really escape well, the fucking ship is con- the ship is conspiring against you right yeah but like, like this, on top this of that non-human you're, you're being hunted by something but there is this totally non-human you intelligence. have absolutely no allies well, right setting, like, your surroundings are your enemy and your god space. essentially is your enemy like your yes. god has designed this because that's essentially what the system is the life support mother and everything yeah the corporation what owns you what is keeping you literally keeping you alive it wants you to fucking perish. It wants you. Well, no, to it doesn't be, even care. Right. It, well, it, it, it was you're 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 a transitory. You know, like it is. If you survive or you could be a host, fine. Right. As long as it gets back. Right. But that is to to kind of summarize horror in and of itself is it's all about. It's not about people always focus on, and, and I do too. And I think I am constantly reminded though. It's not about the creature. It's not about the monster. It's not about the situation. It's about the people. It's about the humans. You want to know a perfect example? Pet Cemetery is one of the best like human pieces and human reactionary stories to a hor- horrific events. As much as it is plays as like you know, it's obviously some sci-fi, some some uh, supernatural elements in there. You see a father that has his child hit and killed, and he was already introduced to a power of the pet cemetery and what it can do through resurrecting his cat. Now, I don't have a kid, but if I couldn't imagine what it would be like losing a child, and you would never be in your right frame of mind. So people automatically think their first conclusion in watching that film or reading that story in general is... Why would he do that? He knows they're going to come back evil. But the, you haven't went through the situation of losing a child to understand it on that level and to what the deterioration of your mental state. It's common in the have. zombie films too, right? A lot of the times yeah. there's that human connection even though the, the, the human that they're connected to may no longer be there. The, the, little, the, the little girl wandering around in the barn. Yes. Yeah. Go back even further, Night of the Living Dead. When, yeah. she, her, when she sees her brother, it's like she knows he's a she, fucking zombie. These, she knows, knows, knows that she should be getting away from what, them, but it's her brother. Is it Night of the Living Dead? What's the one that they did It was like the, the, the spoof sequel of it? Where they're oh. actually talking with like the one fucking zombie, and with Fido? Like, no, it's the one where like they're talking with the zombie on the autopsy table, and they say that like the oh, Return, Return, Return of the Living, Living Dead. Dead. Now that was written by John Russo, who originally helped write and make the film with Romero, so he retained licenses not to make another Night of of the of the Dead film. Romero got that, and that's why Romero ran with Dawn of the Dead in 78 and Day of the Dead in 85, which Day of the Dead is the best zombie movie there is, period. 
bar none. There I'll isn't the, the effects. The the effects in it are amazing. Yeah. Um, and I think I could be wrong. I think I'm right. Is one of Greg Nicotero, who went on to direct and write for The Walking Dead, is one of his very first uh, working roles as an effects artist was on Day of the Dead. Uh, I know he starred in it as a smaller role, but um, Romero's pieces, yes, uh, John John Russo retained the rights to make Living Dead films, just not of Dead, Day of the Dead, Night of the Living Dead. Couldn't make any of those films, but he could remake Return of the Living Dead. He could still do a dead film, but it had to be different. And that kind of revitalized and made zombies like funny and cool and like well, but, a little you know, more hokey but what even but that, it's still like an amazing they're, film well there's also that whole premise that effectively the zombies aren't mindless like no no this they're is, talking this is a, this is they're horrific, explaining why they this is a horrific wh- why they want to eat brains they eat brains because it makes the pain go away <laughs> like and it's a very that's like obviously that that's one of my favorite movies like of all time too because it meshes kind of like a punk rock soundtrack but like the damned and the cramps with like kind of like goofy zombies and you got like Miguel Nunez like who's like in Juana Man and and he's been in like a million different things like just knocking literally knocking zombies heads off there's like split dogs like yeah it's just amazing actually I do I do have uh sorry wait I'll be done Demon Seed I haven't seen Demon Seed but I I've I've seen it like you know, I know what the cover looks like, but I've never seen Demon Seed. Well, it's, it, it, again, it's kind of the it's the it's the fucking personal thing, it, it, and it, I, it's, it's a de- it's it's based off a of Dean Koontz book, so that's sorry. It's based off. It's a fucking back away more and more and more and more. <laughs> but it's um, it's that fucking inhuman the the confrontation. We, we create an inhuman thing. And then we are surprised when it acts inhuman and we're incapable of understanding it. But all those original films, like Night of the Living Dead, all and that's something I really respected and loved about George Romero is Night of the Living Dead, he cast Dwayne Jones, the black actor who played Ben. Um, And some people believe Romero when he said this and some people uh, think he's full of shit. Uh, when he said that he didn't cast Dwayne Jones because he was black, he cast him because he was the best actor. Mm-hmm. Now, regardless of that, if that was true or not, it created a complete narrative for what was to happen because that film came out in '68, sure. and sure. Uh, Martin Luther King was assassinated while they were driving the film to New York to screen it. Wow! So, are you t- you're talking about Jesus. like the, the, some yeah. of the worst mm-hmm. uh, events? Um, for for you know the you know the black uprising in the late '60s, um, and for that film to literally coincide with the assassination of Martin Luther King, um, but that and that goes back to that betrayal of expect you know like exactly the, the and it and that is like that's like when that's I watch like, stuff when I watch stuff from the '60s the '70s the '80s when I watch it and it and, and they don't go out of their way to be sexist when they don't go out of their way to be chauvinistic i stop and i ask myself um because the culture has changed right now now i think people are are in in their walking life are more concerned right they stop and they think they're more concerned for somebody to, to to be like that and to fight against the grain 
in the 60s and in the 70s, I find it to be extremely impressive for, for like a director to say something like that, to go out of his way and, and, and because <clears throat> like I hear, I hear equal and opposite stories, right? Like Kung Fu, the legend continues, mm-hmm. right? Right. Where they, they clearly picked a white guy. Yeah. Whitewashed yeah. it. Whitewashed the shit. They whitewashed it. it. And there's so much of that whitewashing and, and to hear those stories back then and, and how they, you can, you can put them, you can pop them uh, in the VCR or in the DVD player and watch them now. And it looks like they're following the rules that we're actually trying to follow now, right? That we're yeah. actually observing now. Some of them we didn't even know we were breaking rules, right? We, 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 we didn't know. We didn't know that they were whitewashed. I watched Kung Fu The Legend Continues. I didn't know that it was whitewashed. Yeah. And it's, and and like I said, when you don't go, and I think when, something like Get Out, while I think it was almost essential to be being, to be made at the time period that we're in, there's a lot of people that kind of uh, they sensationalize the terrible and and shitty things that we deal with as American society today. And, and something I try to avoid at all costs is being political on 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 you know platforms like podcasts mm-hmm. because you can segregate someone in an instance because yeah. we live in such a, a daily. Uh, out social outrage just for the sake you yeah. know and, and most of the outrage let's be honest it isn't about like guess what don't tell me about how you're outraged um about certain things if you're not going out there and making effective changes or decisions that attribute to helping those causes you're not you're posting a facebook status and then that is where your line of you know def- that's where your line of offensive offensively battling those situations starts and ends is with the Facebook status. But for those movies to be filmed, uh, you know, from Night of the Living Dead to kind of tell a story, literally have it unfold as one of the biggest civil rights leaders ever is assassinated, it's uh, it's not art imitating life. It's not life imitating art. It's, it's art and life kind of it's like a perfect it. storm. It, it's it like really it won't is. happen again. It was al- it's almost like it is meant yeah. to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you talk you talk about like um Get Out. It's Get Out wasn't even the first movie made in the aughts with that fucking premise. Like, oh, I don't no. remember that that Ben no. Kingsley, Ryan Reynolds one mm-hmm. something. But this just it's you know, again, like you talk about like I I I'm sure that was part I, I believe that was part of the plot of Get Out. But like the Ryan Reynolds one, Ben Kingsley, it's like here, you know, it's like rich white, rich white dude transfers body into young white dude yeah. has fucking jet set and lifestyle, you know. But in Get Out, it's like when they when they do the body transfer and they got their new lives and stuff like that, they're still like fucking doing servant work. Like yeah. there's no kind like there's like even even like even their previous like state of affairs like can't carry over because it's just conceptually uh, it's it's conceptually incapable yeah speaking of conceptually incapable we are at we are past the two and a half hour mark shockingly because that's probably the fastest uh, that it's gone by but we do have to cut it uh cut it now and 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 bring the podcast to a close jesse man 
awesome I feel like we awesome could talk for you. I feel I, like we I, could like, all talk for we hours. We have to we have to we would I would love to have you on as like a regular if you're if you're around and want to come out. I would gladly be on anytime you'd have me. I, we will definitely, 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 definitely love to have you back. Yeah, multiple I hope I didn't times bore you sure. with stupid statistics that I can't ever <laughs> no, talk about. Other, other. Than no, you don't. No, you don't bore me at all. Um, and uh, so, you know, I get feedback a lot from people, and and the most interesting feedback that I get is from people that you know are like minded, right? So mm-hmm. I, I could sit here and I could talk about tech for for hours, right? Because that's my field. That's what I, I I'm passionate about, and that's what I enjoy. But what the interesting thing is, is that my peers that like tech, they want to hear about stuff like like horror movies. They want to hear topics that they wouldn't normally bump into in their walking life. Right, right. The tech stuff they've heard, they don't care about my opinion on the latest Mac. They want they want to hear about stuff. They want to hear about history. They want to hear about about movie directors. They want to hear about actors. And and I mean that's just one piece. Uh, the, the 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 one that that I was. Um, that, that we did get a lot of good feedback on um, was like uh, uh, some of the art stuff, like mm-hmm. like the we, we we went into some detail on something called Dragon Con, right? Which is like one of the world's largest conventions in the in the world. I think it is the largest convention in the world, and it's like a cosplay type thing combined with you know it's it's almost like a Comic Con but but bigger. It's a, we, it's, a, it's a con festival. Great feedback on the episode, and it's because. It's 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 a walk of life that in the case of Wade and Gunner they know they know more about it than I do. Um, Gunner actually probably knows the most about that topic, but people people learn. It's stuff that they. Oh yeah, I'm not a tech guy at all, and I thoroughly enjoy the tech talk (laughs) you guys have. So so yeah, for sure. Um, Don't don't think I'm ever bored, and if I'm quiet, it's just because I I'm listening. Right. I, sometimes I, I I'm the listener on yeah, sure. some of these podcasts. I, I, I thought this this I thought this episode was terrific. I thought it was really fun. Yeah, I had a blast, guys. Well, Thanks guys, again. listening, check out Heart God Media podcast. That's Jesse's podcast, and uh, you're gonna hear him definitely on our show um, some more, without a doubt. We had a great you, you, time. You, you, you Metal Gear guy, you play it. You Metal Gear. Metal Gear Solid. Yes. No, I'm not a video game guy. Oh, see, we gotta. <laughs> no, yeah. Because so, this is the, again. So like, yeah, maybe that's uh, you know you talk about like. Fucking the medium is the meme is the medium, but it, it, again, like I. It, and Jesse, you're starting a new one too, right? Uh, yeah. Well, we're gonna revamp the Hard Guy Media podcast. Yep. Um, but you got 57 episodes out there. People can go and listen to them. Mm-hmm. A lot of talks about movies and music. Anchor dot Anchor dot FM backslash Heart God dash Media. <laughs> right nice. now, um, it'll be available on other platforms to listen to. But I've officially switched to Anchor. And, no. you're, and you're opening up a new one too, right? Yep, and that one's going to be called Babbleheads, and that's going to be with myself and Mr. Eric Scott Tyler uh, doing sports and wrestling. So sports and wrestling, Babbleheads. All right. All right. Thanks, guys. Oh, thanks for having us, and uh, we'll see everybody later.